You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Blog Talk Radio. Golovkin loss, 
with the eye damage, right? The orbital, orbital bone, or orbital bone. Um, ow. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Even after that, if you look at that Spence fight, now we know it was the other eye, and some people think that's way different. I've heard some people say, well, it's kind of all connected, so that the whole area is going to be weak. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but what I do know is, Kell Brook, the spirit of the fighter. The, the punch resistance, not getting knocked out. When I say punch resistance, that's a tricky thing, right? Because obviously, how much punch resistance does he have in, his, in, his, in, his, in those two bones, the two sides? Sure, that, that could obviously be brought up. But I'm saying, as a fighter, that was a really close fight after eight rounds. Was it four to four? Was it five, three, Spence? Whatever it was, it was competitive as hell. And even when he got hurt, and then got injured because, you know, I think he got, he started getting hurt, you know, in the fight, nor, you know, just off of getting punched, right? Not just in the eye, but then he, he really got injured in the eye. But even after that stuff was going on and you could see the fight was turning, he had two separate, you know, moments where he, you know, made a rally back. So, to me, it's hard to say, oh, he was spent, he was done in that fight when it was like an even fight almost after eight rounds, right? And then he made a rally even with a, a messed up eye and he was kind of buzzed or whatever. So it, it's all about the scale and it's all about those first couple rounds. What do we see out of him? You know, is he coming out with this jab? Is he coming out with his right hand? Is he, is he really into it? Does his body look good? So there's a variety of things. We'll talk about that preview and predict it, though. Um, and obviously, the biggest news here, uh, Canelo Alvarez is officially a free agent. Um, there's talks about a next fight coming in as early as December 19th or December 26th. Um, you know, Caleb Plant was named in that. But we'll talk a little bit about that. But it's official. And a lot of people were kind of denying it when it was just the Canelo side. But not long after, we got the uh, the Golden Boy side. So Golden Boy to zone, uh, they have, uh, you know, an agreement to, uh, you know, let him free without further litigation. Now, what does that mean? Did he get some money out of this? I don't know. But ultimately, it was the freedom that was going to be huge. So, and speaking of huge, Canelo as a free agent is just gigantic. You know, a lot of people assume he's going to just go right to Showtime with the Mayweather deal. Uh, some people think it'll be Fox. Some people think it'll be Al, so he could, you know, have a bidding war every time he fights between two networks, um, like some fighters have right now. Some people still think maybe ESPN will jump in there because they did have some extra money. They talked to, you know, Resign and Pacquiao. They talked to Golovkin. They kind of talked to Canelo, but it, to me it never really looked like they were going to touch that number or whatever. But then they ended up getting Fury. Now, did they have one large sum of money, sum of money that they had in a budget where they could put forth it to something and they chose Tyson Fury? Or is ESPN – going to double down and, and go after Canelo. Well, I think this is a, a big moment in the sport in a sense. It is nice to have Canelo um, as a free agent, to be honest with you. It, it seemed like they were having a lot of issues making fights over there for a variety of reasons. Um, 
where does that leave Golden Boy and DAZN? DAZN USA, anyway. Um, obviously, that drops them down pretty far. However, you know, Oscar De La Hoya and Marcos Maidana is going to do a big number, and then it'll go away. No, um, they have Ryan Garcia. They have Virgil Ortiz. I wonder how long Ryan Garcia is going to be um, with Golden Boy on that platform. Uh, don't have any real information, just uh, just wondering, um, being that he's so tight with Canelo's camp, obviously, or, you know, he's in the camp. So, lots to talk about, no doubt about it. Um, and as far as Golden Boy, just in general, you know, like I said, they have some young guys that they could, you know, develop. Clearly, though, we've seen from the courtroom <laughs> that Canelo had a lot to do with their revenue, basically all of it. Now, like I said, Ryan Garcia looks like he's turning the corner, however, uh, into being a star, but you can't really, you can't really like, like I've always said that Golden Boy gets credit for signing Ryan Garcia, period. But the Instagram followers, clearly that's, that's Ryan Garcia because otherwise other, you know, fighters under Golden Boy would have this, large Instagram following as well. So you can't really give them credit for Ryan Garcia's fame on Instagram, obviously. Um, And they have had issues, you know, developing fighters since the breakup back in the day. What was that? 2014. God, that's, I can't believe it's over six years ago. But um, they have had some issues. Now, they had to rebuild, obviously, because they did lose a lot of their fighters from the buyout, but you know, that was what Oscar knew would be the outcome if he kept his company. At first, he was going to sell it. Then he decided not to. Well, he, he knew there was a chance, or at least his lawyers knew. So somebody knew. <laughs> and if he didn't, wow, uh, that's crazy. So we knew that they'd have to rebuild, but it is six years, you know. And so it's interesting. It's very interesting. I do think Canelo, you know, Mikey Garcia was able to go uh, fight by fight with Heyman. You know, maybe they'll do that. Like I said, maybe they'll sign up to a network. We'll talk about it. We'll, we have some other news. Jermonte Davis um, is alleged in a uh, hit and run. It's a, like I said, alleged as of right now. Was he the driver? Was he the passenger? Was he for sure in the car? It sounds like we know it was his car. We'll get a little bit more detail, although there's not a lot of in-depth detail with that one. So I'm not going to break down that segment too far because we need a little bit more news there is actually two fights that are off now one just hearing about it today from COVID one was an ESPN fight in December we'll talk a little bit about that um, and what that means for you know next in general and then we'll just talk fight news um, in general and of course we'll have a little boxing Twitter segment where we uh just kind of enjoy and scratch our head and just kind of chuckle. Sometimes, you know, if you're a boxing fan, you're on boxing Twitter. Sometimes you just, you just got to chuckle and just be like, what the hell? So we, you know, it's fanboys slash media. And sometimes that runs into each other, the boxing Twitter segment. So like I said, we'll break all this stuff down in just a little bit here. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. It streams live. It archives. It's basically the headquarters. It's boxing 
um, heavy, but, you know, we, we do football and basketball if you have any interest. However, you don't have to just go to Blog Talk and download the show there or listen to it in the browser. You can find this platform, uh, the rope Radio Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, on Player FM, on TuneIn, in a variety of places, Stitcher. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network, which can be found everywhere, including Spotify. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. It's uh, boxing, it's football, it's basketball, it's baseball, it's everything in between. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have and you're not quite happy, I got something you should try. It's called AT&T TV Now. It's live streaming cable. They have the seven-day free trial. There's no annual contract. You can stream it anywhere. They have the cloud DVR. Plans start as low as $55 a month. Right now, if you sign up, you get a 30-day free trial of HBO Max. Right There's another layer. If you get the AT&T TV Now Max package, that includes HBO Max, plus a free month of Showtime. And there's some good fights coming up on Showtime boxing fans. Normally, Showtime's $11 on that platform. Okay. Okay. So, you know, um, it's big enough news to start with, but it's not like it happened you know, a day ago or something, we've known about it for a while. We kind of knew this is where it was going to go with Canelo Alvarez, I'm speaking. Now, did we know if it would be tied up in the litigation for a year or six months? Or, you know, it, we really didn't know that part. We don't know the exact – Canelo even said how he can't really speak too much about it because obviously there's an agreement there. So did he get paid out some money? I'm sure. I know he didn't go and get that 280, though. You know what I mean? So – and I mean 280 mil, um, which was what was left on the deal, supposedly. So, um, you know, being that it was such a light weekend, I'll just kind of breeze through that um, and not even really go heavy on it, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, um, just Devin Haney right away on the zone, Devin Haney and Gamboa. Um, Haney dominated the fight. You know, there's, there's really no... Uh, I don't know how many rounds you could give to Gamboa. Um, first couple of rounds, uh, mostly jabs, uh, a few right hands, um, some left hooks a little bit. He was missing his left hand, Haney was. Um, he started kind of getting a little busier, started to land like uh, counter right hands. Um, I think it was the eighth round. And just flush shots, you could start to see him landing some flush shots, excuse me, shots. Um, But it was pretty one-sided, like I mentioned. Uh, The eighth round, it looked like he stunned Gamboa with a left hook in an exchange. He was landing clean punches. And by the end of the fight, it did kind of look like Gamboa was was a little gimpy. Um, And he was holding a whole lot. I think he got deducted. Uh, At the 12th round, there were some two-way moments, maybe in the 11-2, but not much to write home about the two scorecards had it uh, 120 107 and then 118 109 like i said i don't know if there's a round or if there's two rounds or whatever i don't know for campo but it was pretty one-sided with haney i did watch the the zang vargas uh it was like a, a fourth round i think it was a, a counter right hand that hurt him um and he also, and it was a knockout, but he also looked like Vargas kind of messed up his knee a little bit too. Um, but as far as Devin Haney goes, um, 
we know he doesn't have a ton of power. I don't necessarily tune in to a Devin Haney fight for this crazy power or something like that. Not to say he doesn't, but on the top level, um, we'll see. Maybe he'll develop into it. Maybe he'll sit down on his punches a little bit more. Um, he doesn't really combo punch like three or four punches much. Uh, or at least I don't see him doing that at the higher level either, just because that's not kind of his thing. But he dominated the action. Uh, some people thought it was really boring. It wasn't exciting, but, you know, he did his job. He did his job. Like I said, we've kind of known that he doesn't have a lot of power. I know he knocked some dude way, you know, out really bad not long ago, but how high of a level is that guy on? Um, and then, to be honest, Gamboa, you know, the guy gets dropped. You know, he's been dropped a bunch in his career. So, and we know 135 was never his best weight. 126 and 130 were better, especially featherweight, I thought. But it is what it is. Like I said, he didn't necessarily, well, he definitely didn't make a statement. But, you know, the only way he could have made a statement if it was a highlight reel knockout. And now it's kind of the other way on boxing Twitter where they're all kind of giving him shit because he couldn't knock him down once. And, and, to be fair, he has been, like I said, he has been on the ground a whole lot. But where does he go next? I really don't know. Um, you know, Ryan Garcia, as of right now, is signed with Golden Boy and they're with zone. It does sound like they're reworking that deal to be able to still uh, broadcast Golden Boy fights on there, which makes sense. Um, so how quick do they want Ryan Garcia and Devin Haiti to fight on that platform? Because if that's next, or let's just say, when I say next, you know, Garcia's got to wait for his next fight a little bit now, too, because of Luke Campbell. We'll get into that news in just a second. So, I mean, I shouldn't say just a second, down the line. (laughs) Um, I just don't see them fighting in 2021. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and something else I'm going to talk about is Oscar De La Hoya, after this Canelo split, now seems very pointed for Ryan Garcia to go to Teofimo Lopez when basically him, I mean, Ryan Garcia, Tank, Leonard Ellerby, and Golden Boy all were really hovering out around the, this fight, Garcia and Gervonta. That's what they were doing. And I don't, you know, I mean, if you ask Ryan Garcia, that's what it sounds like he wants next after his fight, if he can get past Campbell. So, but yeah, it's kind of funny. We'll get into that a little bit, but I just don't, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see Devin Haney getting that. I hope he gets like a Fortuna or, you know, I mean, technically speaking, Ryan Garcia and Campbell, whoever wins that fight is a mandatory for Haney. Um, But if a bigger opportunity comes, especially like a tank or obviously a Tiafima Lopez, Although people are going to give him shit because, you know, that's, that's how it goes. That's boxing fans. How, how much, besides just a Devin Haney, just straight fanboy, how much could you really get mad at Ryan Garcia if he fought Gervonta or if he fought uh, uh, Teofimo? You know what I mean? I just think uh, kind of like what Bob Arum said, you know, he signed with the wrong company. And I know that's disgusting to some boxing fans for me to say that and all that, um, and I'm just repeating what Bob said, but I do agree. But then again, 
since they're on, well, they're basically on, they're getting promoted on that network. So that's the fight that maybe they should focus on. And maybe the powers that be want them to, to fight outside the zone. And then they'll pick up the, that'll make someone a bigger name. So, Hey, especially Devin Haney, who needs a bigger name. Uh, whereas Garcia outside of boxing is starting to really get his name out there, you know? So, um, but yeah, where's Devin Haney go next? Fortuna's got to stay busy fight. Maybe that's the fight. I think that's still a good fight for him where he's at as a prospect. So I wouldn't sit there and rip that or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, but on to, because like I said, a lot of this, I'm not going to go into some stuff because a lot of it was just mediocre and, and garbage, too. Uh, the PBC on Fox fight, uh, Cord to, oh, wait, 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 I'm looking at the wrong one. I'm looking at the FS1. Yeah, I'm looking at the FS1. <laughs> uh, we'll just kind of mix it all in there. How about that? Because that FS1 card I did like. Um, well, yeah. So that was the last Wednesday. I'll just breeze through that. I thought that, uh, what is it, D- Diversin? Uh, D- Diversin, I think, is, is what it's called, or what he's called. Uh, I thought he beat Booker. Um, you can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Not to say it wasn't a close fight, because it was, but I thought he did. Now, the first couple of rounds I didn't see because there was something before it, and they just came in, like, somewhere in the third round. Um, so it's hard for me to just go right off the third round. But um, the fourth and the sixth I gave to uh, Diversin. I think that's how you say his name. And then Booker I gave the seventh. I think I gave him the eighth to there was plenty of back and forth in this fight. It wasn't like a great fight by any stretch, but there was, you know, action both ways. Uh, Diversion had the pressure with his jab, um, but there's, there really wasn't much else than that. Um, and Booker, like I said, sometimes he'd land the cleaner shots and he'd win the round off that. Um, it did look like uh, in the seventh round, um, that he was buzzed with like 70 seconds left or whatever. I think there was a point deducted actually uh, for spitting the mouth guard off in that seventh round now that I think about it. But, um, you know, it was a close fight. Um, you did start to see like, you know, uh, him kind of go into earmuff mode too many times. If you look at the punch rate, 131 to 132, so it's super tight. Uh, diversion threw more punches, so I mean, yeah, I guess he missed more. But I think it was seventy-seven, seventy-five 
uh, all three ways the Booker came out. And I, I disagree with that. But, it, you know, it, I'm not saying it was a robbery, but I did think he lost the fight. It didn't look all that great um, in the process. But um, it was a competitive fight. Um, so I got that out of it, which is part of, you know, all this stuff, right? Now, um, Stanonis, Stanonis, Stanonis against the Loach. I was looking forward to this because I just wanted to see where Stan Jonas is as a prospect. And I thought Deloach, who now is, what, at 147, he moved down. I want to see, you know, how this played out because I thought it was a good step-up fight. Um, I had Stan Jonas taking the first three rounds. Uh, he had a good jab, working it to the head and body. He had kind of a tight guard when he was coming forward. I was always kind of wondering um, – about his defense, and I'm not going to say this one because it's at the welterweight division, like it's, oh, now I'm super happy with what I saw, but it looked pretty good. You know, it looked pretty good in my mind, whereas the Loach in the early rounds, he'd land a couple of clean shots, but like I said, it was a left hook and just harder shots. Um, until maybe the fourth round, I think you could give that to the Loach. He had uh, his jab going, and he, he landed a couple of counter back, uh, counter shots back, excuse me. Um, I'm trying to think. Did I give the fifth, sixth, and seventh? I gave, yeah, I gave that to uh, Stan Jonas. Uh, the left hook, uppercuts, overhand rights. He really started kind of turning it up a little bit. You know what I mean? So, um, and I basically gave him a good, you know, uh, I mean, the, the eighth round too. He had that stay busy, or he was busier, but he could stay busy. The stab jab to the body, uppercuts and hooks, more uppercuts, hooks. Then a left hook to the body knocked him down, I think, right around the midway point. Uh, Stan Jonas started really taking advantage of left hook, um, and then some right hands as well. The second knockdown was, I think, hooks and uppercuts. And, uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty much that way. Stan Jonas. I thought looked pretty damn good. Early on, he looked pretty good as a prospect. Then he went through some moments where you're like, hmm, still kind of working stuff out. Not to say that he's still not in the working stuff out mode, of course, but I thought this was a good step up. And uh, he did his thing. You know, he did his thing. So I liked that FS1 card. You know, ever since Fox with the Toe to Toe Tuesdays, the FS1 cards have been fairly steady. Have there been a bunch of huge fights on them? Hell no. Um, but there's been a lot of mid-level contender range prospect stuff on there since the get-go, and I've been happy with their product overall anyway. Obviously, the Fox card, um, as we know, <laughs> Ruiz and Ariola was supposed to be the headliner, and that would have been a fun TV fight, but... uh Andy Ruiz didn't quite make the deadline, and now he's in camp because I guess he wanted to be in camp with all the boys, the Ryan Garcia and the Canelo, and it's going to be getting the band back or whatever. I don't know. But whatever. He really ruined this card, though. <laughs> we knew Luis Ortiz was going to have a walk in the park just to kind of get him back. If you look, when he came off those two losses before, that's kind of what they gave him. Uh, a left hook to the body and to the head by Ortiz and a left hook to some place on his tricep or his elbow or not. I don't know. <laughs> was it an injury? 
it's weird because Flores went down and then he's like messing with his eye and he's like, no, it's my eye. It's like, did you get like a, did you get an eyelash in your eye or what, what do you mean it's your eye? When did that go bad? But he did get, that's the funny thing is he got hit with a clean shot, but he didn't go down. He didn't do anything. And then the way he, like, there's no point in going down like that. If it's your eye, you notice how, well, we talk about Kel Brook when his eye was messed up. what did he do? He took a knee. Cotto. When he wasn't feeling too good, and he felt something was different, and he was bleeding all of the out of his pores and shit, he took a knee. So why didn't Flores take a knee? He went down like he got hit by the shot. That's where it's funky. That's where it's a little, not a little funky, but fun, you know, it's kind of like, well, hold on, dude, which one is it? Is it your eye or is it your back? <laughs> Or your, you know, my my head, my neck, my back, my head, and my neck, you know, that type of thing. I forgot how that went actually, but um, that's what it seemed like. And in a, in a, you know, for those who didn't get it, it's on Friday. I just, I just botched it. But um, it, I don't know. I don't know what the hell that was. I mean, but here it is. The Cal. This is coming from the Athletic. The California Commission have withheld Alexander Flores eighty thousand purse following a 45-second knockout defeat over Ortiz on Saturday and requested he appear at a hearing to explain the unusual nature of the stoppage, which I think is pretty legit to, to do. You know what I mean? I think you basically have to do it, dude. Like, obviously. Like, this, that, that's just... That was ridiculous. And like I said, if it's your eye, then take a knee, dog. Like... Why don't you take a knee, man? It looks really weird when you go down from a, a tricep shot or a forearm shiver. Is that what he's going with? I don't know, but um, it looked shysty. It looked bad. Not even shysty. It looked just bad. It looked like he was just showing up for a paycheck. Now, maybe his eye did, you know, something he said, that I saw black and then whatever. Okay, you know, take a fucking knee then, dude. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, what else we got? Um, oh, Frank Sanchez and Howard. I actually thought this was going to be a decent fight for Frank Sanchez. You know, where he's at, uh, um, in his career. Um, and you know, there wasn't much to this one, just like the rest of the fights this weekend. A few nice left hooks. Um, some early combinations that landed cleanly an uppercut in a hook. And I think a left and right uppercut and a hook knocked him down in the, uh, what was that, the third round. Um, then there was a, uh, I think it was a left hand, kind of on the side of the head by Sanchez that knocked him down. Uh, several, basically, you know, nice shots with both hands, knocked him down again. It, there, there wasn't much to this fight, like I said. I mean, I'll give credit, like H- Howard did flurry back, but Sanchez landed a right hand TKO. It was over. Uh, Michael Coffey and Abel, um, Joey Abel, Joey Ice, actually. And I was actually, for a prospect fight, I wanted to see that because I thought that would be good for Coffey, but he got hurt. He messed up his he messed up his bicep. Um, I think it was in the second round. But that actually would have been a decent prospect-level fight um, for where, like I said, where he's at. Also, Negron in Rio spot, not much there as well. You know what I mean? Um, Negron basically handled him. 
left hooks, nice left hooks, I'll say, uh, several throughout all the rounds, not many rounds, right? Um, but the combinations, he was just slow with them, you know? There was some back and forth, like in the in the second and third round. Uh, but like I said, several clean left hooks, overhand rights, a left hook to the body, was a knockdown, and then a flurry TKO, it's over. You know what I mean? So they just kind of move on with their heavyweight stuff. Like I said, I really wish that the main event would have been what it was supposed to be. You know, Andy Ruiz against Crystal Ball Areola. That would have been just a good brawl, a good fight for uh, Ruiz to come back and, and get that loss, you know, out of his way or whatever that he, he suffered last December. And, uh, you know, move on from there. And the move on, and that's why they had Ortiz on the undercard, because the move on was supposed to be, and that's why they, like I said, put him on the same, what the hell? Um, The last thing I heard was that, you know, that's what it was supposed to be. So then they both fight on the same night, and then they fight, I believe it was supposed to be on Fox. Um, I don't know the date, though. But uh, now it's going to get pushed back a little bit, you know, um, because Ruiz, I don't know, may, you know, maybe because it's so quick that maybe Ortiz would be ready by late January or February if they gave him that date with uh, Ruiz. I don't know. Would, would, wouldn't Ruiz want the, 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 the get well fight and, you know, to get a camp? To just you know what I mean? Would he want to be off for more than a year and then fight Ortiz? I don't know, but it seems like that wasn't the plan. Now maybe because he messed up the plan potentially, maybe they're saying, "Hey, take it or leave it." I'm going to get in the camp. I'll be ready for that date. I don't know, um, but any you know Ortiz just getting a camp and a fighting is really all he needs. He doesn't get way way out of shape by any stretch. Uh, he looks you know good for what Ortiz is. You know, it's hard to say if he, like, slipped from the knockout or anything because he didn't fight anybody, you know what I mean? We would have known more with that Ruiz fight, but that's what I really hope, that we can get that um, that fight, Ruiz Ortiz and Andy Ruiz. I think that would be a really, really good fight. Um, but we'll see. Maybe that would be a fight now. You know, maybe they're going to look at Wilder and Ruiz, you know, being that the, 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 the Tyson Fury, excuse me, Tyson Fury fight. I don't know. I'm, I really don't know. Um, so that's about it uh, for the weekend. Like I said, um, not a whole lot to uh, speak on. I will talk about the Canelo as a free agent situation. We'll talk about the rumors that he's in talks with Caleb Plant. Um, we've heard December 19th, but we've also heard December 26th. Um, you'd assume, well, we'll, we'll see then. What I do know is Fox has a card scheduled December 26th, the day after Christmas. And that's been – it hasn't been scheduled with fights on it yet, but they've had that date for quite some time. So it's a planned thing. And actually, that's why I think um, what's-his-toes Gary Russell Jr., who, by the way, all of a sudden, you know, got on Instagram after Devin Haney fought. Um, but that's why I think he was talking about that Christmas date. Uh, Gary Russell Jr., you know, when he's talking about Haney, 
or Canelo even said it. I just want to get it. You know, I want to get a fight this year. Now, does that mean it's going to be right to Caleb Plan? Are they going to try to put a pay per view on with this short a notice and, and try to sell it? Um, I don't know. It, it would have to be announced here pretty damn soon. And they did kind of make it sound like they said it on Fox too. Um, that you know, an announcement's coming. It's forthcoming, basically. It's coming soon. Now, could we get the Yildirim fight and then have the Plant fight and put maybe Plant on the undercard of that? I I don't know. Um, December 19th, as we know, for ESPN and Fox, according to Bob Arum, they were really hesitant to go with that rematch on on that weekend because, you know, there's like five conference championships for college football, and then I think he said two NFL games. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff that night. So if you just go a week later, not that there wouldn't be competition, but it, it would be a little lighter. At least you wouldn't have the college football going round and round. And even if it is an NFL game during the day and early evening, maybe one of those, actually on Saturdays in December, I don't think CBS has those, but maybe Fox does. I don't know. But um, we'll see. We'll see what's up. I'll give you a little bit more details when it comes to that. I'm just going to run over a couple um, items of news right now. Actually, you know what? Let me see something real quick. 5.03, um, do you want to kind of chime in right now and, 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 and go, go on with your day, or are you just kind of listening? Let me know. I'll text you, too, just in case you're not. Um, on there, because otherwise we could just go right to 503 and let him get his shit in, and then we could move on because it's like the preview predictions uh, for you know Canelo and or I'm sorry Crawford and Brook, Frank uh, Franco and Maloney the rematch that was a good fight that was I'd say the best fight. Um, let me see. Yeah, I'd say it's the that was the best bubble fight. I think that's pretty clear, um, and it, it was a it was a nice little upset too. You know what I mean? Um, all right, let me see something real quick. So we did get two um, two different COVID things. So unfortunately, we got two COVID situations here. Um, Miguel Burchell got COVID, so he's not going to be able to fight December 12th which he was supposed to fight with Oscar Valdez. Um, so that sucks, obviously. It sounds like that December 12th, and usually that December 12th is the Heisman um, ceremony. It's a little funky this year because usually the conference finals are that first week, so December 5th. And it's over, then they do the Heisman. So if they're going to do the Heisman before the conference, huh. I wonder if that's still – I think that's still scheduled. I bring that up because it's a really good lead-in. I don't know if it's going to be as popular right now because maybe maybe it'll slide under the radar if that's the case. I don't know. I mean, I'm just talking about percentage points. I don't don't know if it's going to be more highly rated or not. I mean, we definitely have some names up there or whatever. But um, December 12th, sounds like Shakur Stevenson is going to take that date now. So, we'll see who he fights. 
Um, and Portland, I'm going to go to you in just a second. So we'll see who he fights. And is Oscar Valdez going to be on the card still, or is he just are they just going to postpone it and maybe come back in January, or February, and allow Miguel Perchelt to to get that COVID be gone, and then boom, start the camp up. Speaking of COVID, Luke Campbell came down with a case of COVID. Hopefully both these guys are okay. You know, you never really know. Underlining situation, they could get really sick. Maybe not. Maybe they'll be just fine. Maybe they have symptoms. Who knows? But Luke Campbell is actually, he has COVID, and that fight with him and Ryan Garcia is postponed. We'll give you a little bit more detail on what Eddie Hearn said um, about it. And uh, so, yeah, that Povekin, I mean – that kind of sucks, man. Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia push back now, although that helps for the early stuff next year, right, uh, schedule. Same with, hopefully, Burchelt and Valdez. Hopefully, they can keep that fight alive, because that's a really good fight for both guys. And then Dillian White and Povekian, too. So, I mean, man, that that's that, those are three fights that I was really anticipating, especially the other two. So, that sucks, man. That really does suck. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about Canelo. We'll talk about a variety of other stuff, and we'll break down that Crawford-Brook fight. I'm going to go out to Portland, 503, and see what's going on. What's going on, man? How the hell are you? Portland, you there? I can't hear you. All right, I'm I'm going to mute you up here. Maybe it's on my side. Let me make sure I got uh, that should be okay. All right, let me let me make sure everything's good on that side. All right, Portland, what's going on, man? How the hell are you, dude? All right, I can't hear you. Not sure. Uh, it shouldn't be on my side. It could be, though. Um, let's see here. Let me test something real quick. Yeah, no, I just tested something, and I tested even before the show started, obviously. But I, I don't hear you. Maybe you have it on mute. Maybe you're finding your your sweet spot right now, and you're going to get there real quick. I don't know. But just let me know. Let me see. I'll just double-check that. Maybe you're talking and I just can't hear you. You know, let me let me just double check here. I believe I'm good to go, but you never know. Maybe I muted something on accident. I was on Skype for a show, but also for talking to people, and maybe I no, it should be up. Uh, let me see here. Just double checking a couple things just to make sure. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically looks like, you know, I should I should be able to hear you. I'm not sure. So, um, like I said, maybe you're getting to the spot where you're going to call. I'll try one more time here. 503, what's going on, man? How the hell are you? Okay. Okay. All right, let me check. Let me check something. All right, we'll see where that takes us. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, just to continue some of this news item stuff. Um, right now, Javante Davis is actually... Now this is uh, this is an alleged situation, okay? So it's not something that we know a lot of details about. And when that is the case, uh, especially in a situation like this, I like to report the news, but I will not add on what I think unless there's some details that lend it to, hey, that seems obvious, right? This is from. Um, from CBS Baltimore, uh, WJZ, uh, World Boxing Championship champion Javante Davis was reportedly involved in a hit-and-run accident in South Baltimore overnight, a source tells WJZ. Uh, that just sounds funny to say. Uh, the accident happened around 1... one yeah, what the hell? Hold on. This thing's all messed up. Okay, one fifty-three. Thursday at an intersection of Washington Boulevard and Martin Luther King Boulevard. Police officers called to the scene for a report of a multi-vehicle collusion. In the collision, they found several people suffering from minor injuries. One person taken to the area um, hospital for treatment, according to the report. According to police, the vehicle ran through a red light and struck another vehicle. So basically, they didn't see the red or they purposely ran it in in whatever and, and struck another vehicle, right? Actually, about five weeks ago, I saw this take place. Not this, but, you know, something like this. Um, On my way home from working at a bar. The Baltimore Police Department would not confirm if Davis was at the scene or driving the vehicle. Uh, But the source tells WJZ Davis was in the Lamborghini that ran the red light. Police have not named anyone involved in the the crash. So there was... uh, some stuff circulating on social media about Davis celebrating uh, at a nightclub earlier that, that day or earlier that night. A law enforcement source told WJZ <laughs> that uh, Davis arrived at the club around midnight and left about 1.30 a.m. The crash happened less than 30 minutes later. It's not the blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, um, you know, either way, I'm glad nobody 
got seriously hurt. That's the way it sounds like. They said minor stuff, so they probably maybe some stitches or just making sure you're okay type thing. Um, but you know, if you're if it's your birthday and you're out partying, you would really hope that Gervonta had somebody driving the car. Um, now, will we get a visual on this? You know, because obviously we know there's cameras everywhere nowadays, right? So, especially in the cities, right? So, especially on the stoplights, right? So, I mean, will we be able to get a, you know, something leaked soon where they they show who's driving or close up so you could see it? It's really tough to say. It may be an angle where you can't even see it. No clue. And this is all alleged as far as him being involved in it. No one's been charged yet. They're clearly investigating. Uh, I guess the rumor is, was he a passenger or was he a driver? The timing seems like it lines up. That's really all the further I'm going to go on this one. I'm not going to sit here and and, and dig deep uh, into something that we don't know about just yet. I'm not going to do it for clickbait. I didn't even put it in my title. Um, Now, if he gets charged with it, yeah, sure, then we'll really dive into this and and I'll give my take on it, but... um, you know, this will be an interesting moment here for Gervonta, you know, because uh, having someone drive for you, I'm assuming when you're it's your birthday, I, he hasn't said he quit drinking clearly or nothing like that. And we, we've known him to party, which I'm not ripping anybody for partying and drinking, you know, nothing like that. Obviously, if you're on a Saturday night in camp or something like that, that would be ridiculous, right? You just want a big fight, you're celebrating. It's your birthday. It is what it is. But he turned 26, I think, 25, 26. So the reason why I bring it up is because we'll see where his his level of quote-unquote maturity is or growth. Maybe we should put it that way, growth. Did he say, no, I'm good, I'm going to go drive, and he was drunk? We don't know. I don't know. This is all alleged. I have no clue. I shouldn't even say it's alleged because I just reported what happened. We just don't know who was driving. Hopefully, Gervonta was wise enough in that moment to say, I'm not going to drive. And somebody else made that air of going through the red light. Maybe it was, you know, turning yellow when he just went in his red, red light or maybe his full red light. And he just said, screw it, wasn't paying attention. And I say he, the, the person who's driving. I don't know who was driving. So we'll see when we get a little bit more information. I'm going to go out to Portland now. 503 Portland, what's going on, man? How the hell are you? Portland, you there? Hey, yo, what else? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, what, hi, brother. <laughs> First time I had you on meet, I was like talking. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what up, what up, Chris? How you doing, bro? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing yeah. pretty good. How about you? Doing good, man. Just a uh, rainy day, uh, cold-ass day in Oregon. Uh, it's still beautiful for the moment, so, uh, you know, I'll take it. But uh, but as far as this boxing stuff, man, uh, let's get into it. Uh, uh, we got we got Terrence Crawford this weekend. And can I say, as a boxing fan, I am happy that it's not pay-per-view and that it's on ESPN, right? ESPN or ESPN Plus? One of them, right? ESPN Plus? 
I think it's just straight up ESPN. Yep. Not even on straight the plus. Straight okay. up ESPN. Okay. Well, let me let me thank the, uh, Crawford. Let me thank Bob. Let me thank Top Brank for putting this on pay per view. And uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, bro. Like uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of this fight coming. You know, I was like with uh, with Kell Brook just because he hasn't really uh, you know uh, done anything at 47 at a, as a late. And uh, you know, I thought this was a kind of a cherry pick for uh, Crawford. But now that I'm seeing, uh, you know, I gotta respect that uh, that Kell Brook. You know, uh, you know that he left his promoter, that he left everything behind, and he doesn't really have the uh, the media. I don't know if he has the media, the the British media behind him. It just seems like uh, he's not, he's like on his own on this one, you know. And uh, you know, I gotta respect him, man, because he, you know, because I, I heard uh, Eddie Hearns talking, you know, uh, talking mad crap about him, and uh, <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, I gotta respect Kell Brook because like, he did it on his own, and uh, you know, most fighters won't just step out of their uh, their comfort zone to take a fight like this. So uh, you know, I gotta. Give like a lot of credit to to Kell Brook, and also, man, I hope he makes the the weight healthy. Um, I hope he has like a a great fight with Crawford. I hope he shows off his skills. I'm um, I'm rooting for Kell Brook on this one, man. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, I just want to throw that out there because I'm not, you know, me, I'm not a not the biggest uh, Terrence Crawford fan, even though I do respect him. Um, I don't know. After after this fight, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. This one's kind of, in, in my opinion, you know, a lot of people think uh kill brook is just getting, gonna get eaten up but i don't know i got a feeling he might uh pull you know pull it off so uh <laughs> but yeah man that's that's what i want you know i mean that's that's what i'm hoping for that you know uh kill brook you know uh you know does something like you know gives us a huge upset takes the belt makes the noise at 147 and then you know and it's funny i got to li- listen a bit, little bit of the uh the, the the press or the um the phone conference, I think, I believe, or mm-hmm. the press conference or something. It was, you know, it's yep. funny. They, like, Kel Brook can't go anywhere with, like, them not mentioning, like, with, you know, mentioning, uh, what's his name, uh, Amir Khan, man. And Amir Khan. Like, you know, Amir, yeah, it's like he's not even in this fight. Like, he has no, there's nowhere to be talked about him, you know. I mean, he's, like, he's not relevant, you know. And uh, I, I don't know. It sucks for Kel Brook. Hopefully, you know, the, the British fans can push that uh, and uh, they could possibly make it in the future. I'm not so sure uh, how, you know, uh, Khan really wants it. Um, but but as far as that, you know, I just feel bad that Kill Brooks' name always has to get mentioned with, you know, Amir Khan, which is, you know, it sucks, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, But, yeah, man, for that, I uh, don't have too much to say. Also, too, man, let me uh, let me give a big shout-out to the free agent, Canelo Alvarez. Viva Mexico, cabrones. This is what I'm talking about, man. And now we're going to be able to see some great fights. Not some uh, BS. Uh, what what is the the zone call it? They called it like uh, elite fights or something like that. Like uh, I don't know what they called it, but they called it like you know they wanted Masvidal, they wanted uh, some other BS fights and whatever uh, <laughs> whatever kind of fights yeah, they wanted. But I'm opponent. not. Yeah, yeah premium premium opponents. Opponents. Yeah, and uh, one of them was Oscar De La Hoya too. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I really thought it was gonna happen just because that dude was like, you know, he's looking, he's he's like, he looks like he's you know cutting down weight, he's like getting in shape and everything. So I thought that was a possibility, you know. But man, you know, um, uh, I, I, what's his name? Canelo's the legal team must be amazing because man, I thought this was gonna drag out till maybe uh, sometime mid next year or so. You know what I mean? But you know, <laughs> yeah, God bless the kid, man. He's out. He's a free. He's a free man. So you know, I'm happy about that. And uh, you know, those rumors of uh, Caleb Plant, you know, being his first opponent, you know, you know how sweet that would be, man, like, holy shit, put that on pay-per-view, man, I'm buying, you know, that that's excellent, man, so, whatever Canelo does now, uh, I'm, 
That'd be yeah, a hell right? of a turnaround <laughs> to go from is Canelo going to fight till next year to be like, hey, he's got to fight. It's with plans. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, bro. I'm excited for this new chapter of Canelo. And not only that, but let me say he's out of the chains of uh, Oscar De La Hoya, which is even more excellent, man. Now De La Hoya. Poor De La Hoya's got his stable, but hopefully, you know, he could do something with it just because uh, I just feel like Canelo, I mean, what's his name? Uh, De La Hoya is just running his, uh, his business to the ground, uh, but not, not promoting right, uh, right for his fights and or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's nice to see Canelo out. He's out, he's out, you know, he's free agent. So, you know, got to shout out the, the, you know, <laughs> the fucking Canelo, man, he did it. So, you know, not, not but respect for these guys, man. None respect. Hopefully Canelo gives us a, a big major fight for his, his first one, man. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But anyways, uh, yo, Chris, let me get out of here, bro. Let me thank you for having me on. Be with Roku Dope. And we are Mexico, cabrones. Thanks. I appreciate it as it always, man. And it's about, uh, you know, it's actually starting to turn to snow here now. Um, it's funny because a handful of days ago, it was like 74 back to back. And well, it's Minnesota. So you kind of, you know, kind of just assume this, but one good thing is it's supposedly supposed to be snowing the last hour or two. And it's been mostly like sleet. I'm starting to see the rooftops, uh, get some snow on them, but maybe we dodged out on an extra inch or two because the temperature didn't drop enough uh, in time or whatever, but it is going to snow here tonight, and it'll be like the second time we get, uh, you know, even if it's seven inches or four inches or eight or whatever, it'll be the second time we had, you know, uh, a significant snowfall, uh, and it's November 10th, so what's that mean <laughs> for the rest of the year? We'll see. Um this Canelo stuff, I think we got to get into that now. There's no other really pressing news. We'll talk about the Crawford and Brook fight. I think Carcino's going to call in here in a short little bit. Otherwise, of course, we have our fight news. There is some fight news stuff out there. And then our boxing Twitter segment where we exploit fanboys and sometimes media members who are fanboys. Uh, and they're just ridiculous uh tweets on boxing twitter everybody knows it's funny leonard ellerby was calling to twitter boxing a bunch of times last week <laughs> twitter boxing and i even i tweeted at him like hey just so you know it's boxing twitter bro you know he laughed and shit um anyway boxing good old boxing twitter right don't get me wrong i have fun with it but you do get a lot of information out of it and you know you get a lot of in-depth insight it's just not as much as you did say seven to ten years ago and that's the same like YouTube channels. You know, we used to have really good debates and uh, a lot of different channels, you know, having good debates that actually were with content and with, I guess you could say, structure and substance, you know. And, and now it's just we're going to talk about, you know, it turned into Mayweather, Pacquiao, and now it's Joshua Anthony, you know, that's or Anthony uh, Wilder, you know. It's like five subjects and just do videos like that constantly. You know, that's basically what it's turned into. But let's talk a little bit about Canelo Alvarez now, a free agent on his own. Well, not on his own. He's going to be okay. But, um, and actually, let me get the, uh, the release that they put out. And this is from Eddie Renozo, his manager slash trainer, one of the best trainers, if not the best trainer in the sport. 
sport. In my role as a manager and coach of Sal Canelo Alvarez, I allow myself to communicate. I allow myself to communicate to the boxing, okay, boxing community and to all the fans that starting today, November 6th, Canelo becomes a free agent. So we are ready to continue with his boxing career. And when it says November 6th, is that a date that was like in the contract? Was that the t- like right around the a two-year date when I say that, uh, that doesn't really line up because remember Eddie Hearn said he had a billion-dollar deal, but we started here as more like a two-year deal instead of an eight-year deal, and that the, the other years that come after the, the first two years, is that what he means, or is that – that was just in his contract, whatever, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was that day, you know. Um, he says, starting today, November 6th, it was just kind of a weird thing to say, November 6th. Well, if you're putting it out today, we know. Um, Canelo becomes a free agent, so we are ready to continue his boxing career. All this time, we've been working very hard in the gym uh, with a lot of responsibility and discipline to be the great physical shape, ready to fight, uh, by, ready to fight this year, and it will be. We will announce date, rival, in place very soon, and we will return stronger than ever to keep growing and showing the Mexican boxing is the thank you, Eddie Reynoso. So, in Oscar De La Hoya, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, said the lawsuit resolved to everyone's satisfaction, and we wish Canelo the best going forward. In strong partnership with Zone, we will continue showcasing our wide array of talent, including rising superstars Ryan Garcia. Jaime Munguia and Virgil Ortiz. And uh, this is from Cop, the Coppinger sources. Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant will begin negotiating toward a potential December 19th super middleweight title fight on pay-per-view once Canelo's separation agreement is finalized. Both fighters want it, and if a deal is completed, it could happen in Texas where fans are welcome. I wouldn't doubt if that'd be San Antonio. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt if that'd be San Antonio. Um, so, like I said, not a big shocker if you've been paying attention. You know, um, the shocking or the surprise part is kind of like what Portland was just talking about that it happened so quick. Um, we were wondering if he could get an injunction to continue to fight why this lawsuit was playing out or arbitration was playing out, but they had a clean break to an extent. I say clean break. We don't know the details. Canelo's already kind of talked about how he can't really say much, but or they can't really talk much, obviously, if there's an agreement. But the main thing was free agency, whether he got paid for what he was supposed to get paid just this, this last time or not. Either way, he's free to go where he wants to go, and now that is a scenario. You know, they've already talked about how, you know, they want to have their own promotion, and he's talked about that in the past. He obviously started one, but maybe they really want to get into it in some of these, um, you know, fighters trained by Eddie Reynoso and and managed by him. Uh, Not all of them are that, but some of them are. You know, maybe that will be part of if a network's actually, whether it's Showtime using CBS like they did before for Mayweather, whether it's Fox or whether it's ESPN, maybe that would be part of the combo. And all those, 
you know, to have another promoter promoting your fights, even though, you know, it is at the early stages of Canelo promotions, but it's something that a lot of fighters have done, especially Mayweather and Oscar, clearly. And, and they started, you know, slowly and they built while they were still active. And then it really started turning up after they were out basically. So I love it. I love it. Um, I'll get to Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boyd's zone later. Um, I see a lot of media members talking about, well, Golden Boy's going to be fine. Don't count out Oscar. And that's cool. But let's not forget what Oscar and Golden Boy did here to, to Canelo Alvarez, the biggest star in the sport. We can have the worldwide audience uh, debate and say Joshua's bigger than. But all as I know in the good old United States of America, Canelo Alvarez is number one with a bullet. So to to sit there, it's one thing to screw over a fighter. I don't want any fighter to get screwed over. We're going to talk about a fighter getting screwed over who was tweeting the other day uh, in a little bit, but um, which is just sad. But what gets lost in this is the media, they're afraid to talk shit about Golden Boy. When I say talk shit, it's not talking shit. You know, even when I say, well, to be critical of them, it's not being, I mean, I know that's what the term is. I, I'm just critical of them. Being- Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed of this or whatever that's fine but it's really not it's called doing your fucking job and i love how we we can sit there and rip fighters all day long until the sun comes down but we can't rip golden boy for this even though they clearly fuck canola like i said if you're gonna fuck around and mess around with you know a lower level fighter i don't want to see that but at least it makes sense to like, you know what, I'm going to get some money out of this guy, yada, yada, yada. He won't know it, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that's correct. I'm not saying that's a good way to do your business. But if you're going to be shysty, why be shysty with this dude? It just, it's so, it's crazy. And I, I really liked Oscar De La Hoya as a fighter. He fought everybody, you know. But it's not like I can't sit there and, 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 and say the truth about being critical about them. Because like I said, we love to dog, just we love to drag fighters all over the internet. They're the ones taking the punches. And that's what makes it worse. And that's why it needs to be highlighted. Oscar was a fighter. He's turning right around and fucking another fighter. Just so happens to be the biggest sport, in the, or, you know, biggest star in the sport. 
I said I was going to wait on that, didn't I? Okay, let's get back to Canelo. Um, so what's Canelo do now? Is he just going to go fight-by-fight fight free agent like Mikey Garcia? I think that's possible. Now, clearly, Mikey Garcia and Canelo are two different wavelengths, right? Two different guys. So it's kind of – I can see both sides of it is what I mean. So a lot of folks I'm seeing say, well, if he signs with a network, the network's going to want a longer deal, whatever, whether it's five or seven fights or whatever. They're going to want a longer deal so they know what they're investing in. And that's a fair viewpoint, you know, no doubt. I, I can understand that. Um, obviously, I think he'll be signing up directly to a network in that situation and not sign with, you know, some sort of promotion and then a network, you know. If there is a combo deal, it would just be Heyman, but what's the point of, of signing with Heyman if you're just going to sign with Showtime or Fox on that side or sign it with Top Rank if you're, if you're with ESPN? Now, that might be a little funky thing, right, because they have a – Top Rank has a deal for Top Rank fighters. The Top Rank fighters don't have a deal with, the, with ESPN, so there is a difference there. So would ESPN be like, hey, we'll just snatch your ass and try to put some the – po- the point is I just don't think it will be Top Rank or ESPN personally because they got better BS and who? Who else do they have? Why would he go and sign with Top Rank? First of all, as a pay-per-view fighter, and this is something that doesn't get talked about enough as well by the media, Bob Arum takes 30% of your money straight the fuck up if you're a pay-per-view fighter. I mean, we all knew that was the case. And then in February, he actually tweeted it, <laughs> breaking down this is what they'll get. He was Well, he was responding or somebody on his Twitter was whatever. It was off of his Twitter account. He, he broke it down 70 percent 30 percent all that and i and you say well the promoter's got to make some money i'm not saying that i'm not saying that the network the promoter they have to make money but with the al Heyman thing with that model al Heyman takes 15 percent of your money tops and we've heard once you start making more money like big money 5 10 20 million that it drops it he takes it down from 15 but even at 15, it's half. You know, it's already half the, half the amount. And you add that up over the next five years, it's a lot of money. And and wonder if they they say, we'll do 10 or, or 5%. That's even more money. So I think people get swayed off of, you need a promoter. Well, these days, do you, are you sure you need a promoter 100%? Or could you just sign with Al? He takes 15% of your money. And that 15% doesn't kick in until you're making $100,000. That's the reports from a variety of folks. In that original uh, Sports Business Journal uh, um, article, it says it right in there. So that's been, that's been sourced a bunch of times. That you got to start making 100000 for Heyman to start taking your money. And then once you start to go Mayweather on it or, you know, half of Mayweather or whatever, Canelo, then it actually decreases. I mean, that, that's what it used to be. I don't know. Maybe it's not that way anymore. But my point is, it just doesn't make sense. They don't have the opponents, and they're going to take more of your money. To me, it's like it, it breaks down to right now, I believe, Showtime and Fox, and Showtime basically has CBS, as we know, right? And it's CBS Viacom. 
but they have CBS. And uh, is Fox and CBS right now battling each other to see who can sign Canelo? It could be. It could be. Now, maybe he doesn't want to sign to a platform because potentially limiting, you know, limiting himself. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. You don't have to sign with Al if you're with Showtime or Fox, right? Because it's the same funnel of – so maybe that works for him. And maybe he doesn't want to cut any money, but they're going to have to – if the network puts money up for your fight, they're going to have to take a little cut. Yeah, that's just how it goes. So so do we, my point is, does Canelo want bidding process right now and then sign a long-term deal, which he just got out of a deal? Or does he sign with Al Heyman, the PBC, in each and every fight, there's a battle for your next fight between Fox and Showtime. So every time you fight, or maybe in certain situations, it's like two fights in a row, kind of like Wilder Fury, you know how Fox got it back to back. You know, that's a little different. But my point is, every year of your fights, two times a year, you have two networks, Fox and CBS slash Showtime, battling it out for your services. It, does that sound like you can make more money that way? I mean, yes and no. I guess it kind of matters. If the pay-per-views aren't successful, then when you go back to the, you know, to the to the drawing board or go back to the uh, negotiation table, then maybe it's, you know, it's a lower. And so there's a, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. You know, could you just get 20 mil a fight and go from there. Every fight you now have for sure a 15 or 20 million guarantee, and then whatever's on the back end. Could he do that? Yeah, he sure could. And that would give him a good baseline for the next three to four years where he knows he's making that. Just like, you know, we know Floyd, he made 32 mil. But on some pay per views where the thing doesn't really make a bunch just off pay per view, or it, and maybe it doesn't, the gate was available there. Because Steven Espinoza more than once said, because I remember for the Guerrero fight for Mayweather and then Mayweather-Maidana, those fell under a million, so people were freaking out. And he, he literally tweeted saying, people act like the live gate just disappears. So to me, that tells me that there's a, a full-ranging, listen, you obviously got to sell enough pay-per-views to give us this 32 mil using the Mayweather thing every fight. Now, for Canelo, he made... The guarantee was 40, and then he ended up with, what, $75 million or something like that. We know the, the guarantee was way higher, $100 million straight up, and he ended up making $300 million off Pacquiao. That, that's, those are crazy numbers, as we know. But I guess he's, he, he's got to think maybe long-term, you know, maybe long-term. I, I don't know. But I do think, though, if he signed with Al, there would be a baseline of guarantee as well. So – I'm not sure which way he's going to do it. I, my guess is it's Al Heyman because he's taking less of your money, and you can also bid between Fox, you know. But I'll say this. If Al Heyman gets Canelo Alvarez under contract, even if it's fight by fight, which he did that with Mikey Garcia, and I'm trying to bring that up. Like a lot of people just automatically think, well, then, he, you know, then he'll for sure do it with, with Canelo if he was willing to do it with Mikey. True, but also it's a commodity way bigger commodity so do you want him to fight a couple fights and then just dip too i don't i don't know you know i'm not sure about that part 
I mean, if I were Al, I'd probably say, well, look at the opponents, dude. You know, I got the opponents, so I'll be willing to work on them, you know, and just, in, you know, on a fight-by-fight and make them happy. And Al usually does that to his fighters. But if Al gets Canelo under contract or they have a working relationship, I mean, that basically settles, you know, PBC. Like, in America, they'd have Canelo, they'd have Spence, they'd have Gervonta, they'd have Wilder. I mean, and then a layer of, like, guys from what I listed, what, four or five guys? From five to 15, I mean, the Charlos, like, it's it's interesting. And then, you know, I think it would be, you know, I think it's basically for sure he would be able to extend his current deals right now I really truly believe that now maybe one of them will want to do a little less or a little more or my guess is Fox would want to do a little less as far as uh, the 10 freaking you know Fox dates a year that seemed excess, uh, excessive even back then but who knows but we won't get to that part because we don't even know if this is happening but as far as what the PBC offers him you know Caleb Plant they're talking about that. Maybe that is the next fight. Maybe not. The December 19th, I wouldn't be surprised if it was December 26th. Here's another thing to look at with Fox. They had earmarked money to give to Wilder to fight Fury for the third time and also earmarked money to promote the fucking thing. So that tells you Fox has a loaded gun right now for the budget this year, right? I mean, I'm assuming, right? That fight's not going to happen. And you're not going to pay him the same amount of money as he makes for the next fight, probably. So I'm talking about Wilder. So they have a bunch of money that they were already willing to go with and promote. So why wouldn't Fox just go, let's just give that to Canelo, <laughs> you know? And, and that's what makes me think that that's probably he, he's doing business with, with Al and the PBC. Therefore, he would have access to that money. But you also have access to Showtime in, in CBS. So we'll see. Caleb plants the, the rumor. Maybe they could put Benavidez and Yildrum to get that shit out of the way because that still has to be figured out. Because remember, Benavidez, you know, screwed up and dropped the, you know, dropped the belt by missing weight. He still won, but he dropped the belt. So maybe they put that on the undercard. Maybe they put that on a Fox free show. In, in, in hype Benavides for Canelo, but if you go, whether it's a stay busy fight or whatever, you you have Canelo uh, against Plant, you have Canelo against Benavides, you have Canelo that, you know, obviously Charlo, you know, um, and even the other Charlo, at some point, I'm talking if two years from now, maybe longer, um. If Jared Hurd decided to go up and get, you know, and be comfortable at 160, I don't know. We'd have to see more of him. He needs a bounce back fight where he looks good again. And I think people will get, they'd be like, oh, that'll be a fun fight. I don't know. But ultimately, let's say two, three years from now, to work to a Spence fight, to work to an Arrow Spence fight, that would be interesting. And imagine what, I mean, obviously it'd be big money in the MGM. But imagine what that would do in Cowboy Stadium. I mean, they did what forty-seven thousand him and Mikey Garcia. 
and then you add Canelo to the mix in Texas, oh my god, that would be a humongous fight. And that's years away, though. I'm talking two, three years. But that's the way you got to look at it. Two, three years from now, talking like six opponents. There could be a stay busy fight in there. There could be Yildrum right away, right now. And he just gets a stay busy fight and then fights Charlo. Or then fights Plant in May and then fights Charlo in September. It's really tough to say. They may have him fight Yildrum and then Plant and then Benavides and then Charlo next. You know, the other Cinco de Mayo. I, I don't know. A lot of this has to do with COVID as well. We have gotten some good news about a vaccine. You know, the 90% effective rate right now in the first you know release and how obviously that's going to take a while it gets to the most needy uh people whether it's the elderly or or high-risk people that the actual you know workers in the hospital and the doctors and all that right the healthcare stuff and then at a mass rate in march or april or may or june i have no clue but but you got to look at that because hey whether you're going to take it or not i'm not here to debate that shit I'm just saying a vaccine will calm this bitch down a lot more than it is right now, obviously. So some of that has to do with that, you know. And then, you know, I mean, they have layers below that too. You know, they have layers below that. And we're talking two to three years from now, you know. We don't we don't know what uh, even morale, David Morale Jr. is going to look like in two years. Maybe I'm a little biased because he's training on Minneapolis now. Big shots to Cuba. But still, I mean, you never know. You never know where that dude is in two years. Maybe he'll be Canelo worthy. And he'll uh, get there. He'll, he'll revenge his loss from his fellow countryman, Eris Lundy Lara. Now, um, anyway, so yeah, I, 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 I think it's awesome. I mean, whether it's ESPN, CBS, Fox, or all three of them, or just free agency, whatever, I got to say, although there was some marketing, there was some good marketing with the fight season on the zone, uh, the Jacobs-Canelo fight did get marketed well. Um, the first Canelo fight was like more about killing pay-per-view. Remember, they, they freaking were, sl- you know, bashing TVs and shit like that And so it was always kind of like Well we know you're pushing Canelo But like I don't know my, my point is it, It'd be nice to have Canelo On a broader marketing Platform As the number one guy in the sport It just would be Like let's say he fights on Fox On you know day after Christmas They'll fucking run commercials like that The second December 5th Is over They'll be running – well, they'll be running commercials that night. And I say December 5th because that's the Spence Garcia. They'll be fucking running commercials of the yin-yang. You know what I mean? That's how they do it. So – and by the way, Spence and uh, Garcia had their first fight camp type thing, uh, you know, buzz show, an hour long. It came on before games or right after games, kind of matters your market. It, it came on – it basically, like Central Time, it was two to three with the game starting at three here. Or wait, maybe it was two thirty to three. The game started at three. I think it was three now on uh, on Fox locally. The reason why it was there was no game because uh, on Fox during the 
day, the first uh, hour was because, or the first slot was because the Vikings were playing on CBS. They were playing uh, the Lions on CBS. So the home, when you're on a different network, the, the home, the home market usually gets blocked out. So that's why it was kind of a funky thing. But people are turning the channel, you know, anticipating a game started. They may have seen some of that, so that's dope too. Anyway. As far as the zone, the zone USA, we knew they were cutting back financially anyway. I still think they can uh, have a little. I guess you could say you, we say it's a niche market, but it's probably nichier now, right? It's a nichier market. Um, as far as the California and the Texas subscribers, they had told us that a majority of their subscribers come from California. And that's why it was good to have. That's why it's really good even to have Mikey Garcia over there, right? Mexican American. Same with Ryan Garcia. Same with uh, Virgil Ortiz. So I think they can still do something with that. But if Canelo, Canelo's the one that got him in the six hundred to seven hundred thousand subscriber range, and then stuff was built on top of that. They never got to the million uh, sub range. Um, but that run that they had last fall when they had Canelo Kovalev, they had the YouTubers, and then the next month they had uh, Joshua and Ruiz, that got up to eight-something, right? That's what they told us it was or something like that. So about, let's say, give or take six to 700,000, those subs are gone for the most part uh, because you have Canelo casuals too. Canelo brings the casuals, especially – from the Mexican fan base, but just in general. I mean, I have a lot of, you know, black and white friends that, that it's not just my Mexican fans that know him. You know, a lot of people, obviously, he fought Floyd and, and others, right? Golovkin uh, in two fights that people loved. And Cotto was a good fight. So um, people know Canelo, period, no matter what, uh, you know, where your background or like that but so the zone you know they've already they're already gonna go launch around the world they're doing they've been doing good in japan italy the soccer slash football um rights that they got in germany like they've been doing good in asia they've been doing good that way but i'm just speaking on the zone usa obviously it's a big blow it's a huge blow now they get to save 280 million dollars um and it, you wonder where Golovkin's going to be here. So that's still a guy that could bring in something, you know. Um, but that whole, you know, middleweight thing, just from the jump, you know, and the way the zone uh, approached it, and you know, it was basically like you got to be on the zone to get a fight with Canelo at middleweight, and a lot of that was sent to Charlo, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, actually, I'm going to play a clip here of Eddie Hearn because, you know, that was the thing. Basically, you got to be a zone fighter at middleweight. And we, as we found out, they really only truly made one quality middleweight fight in the last two years, and that was uh, Canelo Jacobs. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Um, I'm not going to give him credit for Golovkin and Derevchenko because that was a mandatory. That's a mandatory belt. Now, I still like that it happened, and it was a great fight. A lot of people were dogging the fight until it happened. Um, and they were wondering why Derevchenko should get a rematch or should get a, a title shot again. A lot of people were mad because they thought he was pricing, you know, pricing himself out against Canelo. But it was a purse bid thing, dude. When you're the mandatory in, in Canelo's, going to make $35 million. Guess what? Guess what that means for a purse bid? You got to – they got to bring that money, so that means I'm going to get a percentage. I'm going to get 25% of the overall – that's the whole point. So it was funny because as we told you here and many other people did, that he was just going to get the similar money against Golovkin. You know, I don't know what's going on with Gold Boy, but I think that the whole thing with Golden Boy – you know, having Canelo missing the, the Mexican Independence Day, it's like, what are you t- – and then same with Cinco de Mayo. Like, it was just – I mean, actually, he didn't miss a Cinco de Mayo, but, you know, he missed the uh, the September date, and it was just ridiculous. And then, you know, he, he was he, – he clearly, you know, missed this one too. So, it was pretty – it's pretty messed up. But anyway, the zone, you know, I, I, they, obviously this is a big blow. They're, they've been retooling for quite some time. So, you know, it, it is tough for me to say exactly what they want out of DAZN USA. And, and if they're not just, you know, trying to score the NFL ticket instead and just do the NFL ticket in two years. That could be. Maybe they just think, you know what? I'd rather invest this kind of money into that. You know, I don't know. I mean, they, uh, you know, they have the platform. It's been open for over two years now, released. Um, if something else pops off, they can always, you know, they have a working stream is what I mean. So maybe they're just reorganizing. We know that they, they let go of the MLB show. I, I don't know. I don't know where the, it sets them, but obviously it sets them far behind. And even with Canelo, and I can understand why it did seem like a lot of money per fight considering who they had Golovkin and that's it. Now, obviously they thought they had other people and they thought they had Oscar De La Hoya against Canelo too, which I don't know. Some people were so blindly quarter last year in that phenomenal close of the year by the zone. Some people just were like, nope, it's the future period. But they weren't really looking at the numbers, you know, and to spend all that money to get, like 650,000, 700,000 people to sign up. I mean, I, I 
saw many people on boxing Twitter media included. Some of them are part-time media saying that they could have like a easily like 1.5, 2 million subscriber base. And it's like, dude, what do you, how could they, so you're telling me there's 1.5 million fans out there that they could actually activate on a monthly basis to where they're going to be signed up to that app, ready to watch boxing that much. I'm not saying it's impossible. You just have to have, basically, last fall, you'd have to have that 24-7. And I don't think that's sustainable. I mean, people get a little messed up with the hardcore fight fan. You know, right now, if you look at FS1 and the show boxes, the, the lowest rated stuff generally. So you're looking at 150,000, 250, anywhere from like 150, 150,000 viewers to 300. Now, obviously, there's DVR, and obviously, especially on FS1, they replay the shit out of the fight. So they add to them, sure. But I'm saying live audience, right? Um, the average. And though that's where the hardcore base is. The hardcore base watches Showbox. They're going to watch the new, uh, what is it, Ring Live or Ring, Ring USA, the, the new NBC Sports Network show. That's who the, you know, and, and it's hard to activate. You know, like even when people were saying, oh, you know, Spence Wilder and, and, and Deontay Wilder and Fury, the first fight, which went over 300,000, that's just ca- that's just hardcores. And they said that about Spence's fights. And those are just hardcores. And they even said that about Pacquiao Thurman. Those are just hardcores. 300, 400, 500,000 pay-per-view buys are, are casuals. And it's like, dude, what are you talking about? Those are if those are the hardcores, and there's no casuals in there, then where were the hardcores for Golovkin on paper? Where were the hardcores for Terrence Crawford on paper? Where were the hardcores for Kovalev Ward, which was a phenomenal fight? It was built up on HBO. Both those fights didn't break two hundred thousand. Where that that's that's the hardcore base. A hundred to two hundred thousand, or a hundred to one hundred and fifty, one hundred and seventy, whatever, somewhere in there. That's where the hardcore pay per view buys are. Once you get into two fifty, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, you're you're inviting a buddy over, and you're going to pay for it. And that buddy is a casual fan generally. So, but anyway, this is what um, this is what Eddie was saying when he was running the world and going to take over. I just said, you know, like Carlo Musk comes from the in order for any of those big middleweight fights to happen. Yeah, he must, because Showtime can't pay the money that we're paying. So, in 10 days' time, touch wood, the zone have the entire roster of middleweight world champions. So, people like Charlo, you ain't, you have no fights for you. If you want to be a world middleweight champion, you better join the zone ASAP. Right? And the same will happen across divisions. The light heavyweight division as well. We've got better view. I think he's probably the best fighter in the light. He has to be on his own. Otherwise, he ain't getting a Canelo fight. So this is what you're going to see now. You're going to see a natural progression of fighters knowing that they have to be with his own. To get to, well, if you want to fight Canelo, you have to be a his own fighter. There you go. If you want to fight Canelo, you got to be a his own fighter. And, you know, we all know when he first came, uh, Eddie, he paused. He, um, you know, he was like, trying to give him three and four fight deals. But he undercut him. You know, he underbid him. He didn't know what they were actually making. 
And uh, so then, you know, I've, I've heard some of the one-offs. You know, we still don't know if the Charlo was a one-off for sure, but it sounds like it was. I don't know if, if there was a one-off with an option. You know, there, a lot of people say, oh, well, we owe option on you, but it is a one-off. You know, I've heard that. It's like, well, no, it's not a one-off then. Well, it could be. Um, but my point is, you know, he talks about 160 and 168, and I don't want to go too long on this because we've talked about this this year, especially this spring, you know. Um, but the prime example Look what he's doing at super middleweight. He said if, if 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 all those fighters are not if Andre, if Callum Smith, if if BJ Saunders, if they don't get Canelo, they're gonna fight each other. Saunders and Callum Smith are gonna fight each other. That's not happening. He's fighting a, a faded, well beyond his prime Martin Murray, and he's not even gonna fight him next. I'll I'll update you there. I mean they got Danny Jacobs and Andre on the same fucking card. And no one said they could meet next, even as a teaser. I got a quote from Eddie Hearn that, you know, he's already got his next fight. Now, I don't, I don't think that's it. Maybe it is a mandatory. But the whole point is, it's like, dude, why don't you just have Jacobs and, and Andre fight right now? Like, they, I mean, Andre fight earlier this year. He got a tune-up, and Jacobs got his Chavez on. You know, so my thing is always you can't just blame the PBC for not making your fight. If we just had Charlo on here, then these fights, it's it's their fault. Well, once you make your own fucking fights, the PBC make their own fights. You can see Top Rank has a, a tradition of making their own fights. That's what you do normally, and then you build from there, and then if you got to cross-promote, you cross-promote, but it's just funky. It's just funky. But as far as uh, Golden Boy, I, like I said earlier, some of the media members, and a lot of this is tied to Ring TV and the members, and they want to get on Ring TV or they don't, or they want to be in good with those guys, and they want to be in the ranking system, and they want to be a Hall of Fame voter. I can't blame them. They want access to an extent for a good chunk of the fighters. But the problem is, if we're willing to drag, like I said earlier, if we're willing to drag all these fighters, the guys get hit in the head and risking their life. And some, don't get me wrong, some of them deserve to be dragged for some reasons, you know, because they're contradicting. Yeah, we get it. I'm not saying don't drag fighters. Shit, I drag a bunch of fighters in the spring when there was no, you know, it was more of like all these segments of, of little rants or whatever. I don't sit here and rip fighters just for no reason like they do on boxing Twitter. But I see time and time again media members willing to go in-depth on their their criticism, whether it's warranted or not, and and plenty of it is warranted. But they will go – they'll dig deep, super deep on these fighters, but then they just leave Oscar De La alone, Oscar De La Hoya alone. And I'm not saying his personal problems is what you got to hack him for. I'm not sitting there saying that either. You, you haven't heard me go on these long rants about that, you know. He, he's clearly has had some, you know, stuff, you know, bad moments with that stuff. It is what it is. This is not the time to talk about that. What it is, though, is, I mean, Golden Boy allegedly, when I say allegedly, like when you sue someone and you say you did all this stuff and then they settle, they didn't want to go to discovery. 
They didn't want to go to Discovery, clearly. Because they never came out and said, no, that's a lie. We, we showed them all this. There's no secret agreement. They never said that shit. So what's that tell you? If someone was, speaking of dragging, if Canelo was dragging Oscar and Golden Boy all over the place, then wouldn't they respond by saying, dude, that's incorrect. You're lying. You know, blah, 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 you know. And the way Golden Boy handled their fighters, the things they said about Ryan Garcia, um, not wanting to take on a fight, then he knocks the fucking guy out in the first round. Like, just random shit. It's like, dude, handle your business that way. Like, call him. And he keeps saying, dude, they're not calling me. They'll tweet, but they don't call me. Anyway, Golden Boy does have some really quality products. I just don't know how long Ryan Garcia is going to be with Golden Boy in the zone. I mean, he's not with the zone, but obviously it's the same situation where he has a contract. Something that he just re-upped not long ago, right? So, that's sticky. But he's got some Skrilla, and he may pay his way out of that. He may do litigation. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what, though. If you don't have buyout contracts, and you're a commodity somewhat, you're making the wrong decision. Um, So, yeah. Where you know, Golden Boy to me is I just see like I said, the media saying, Oh, don't count them out. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't count them out, but let's why are we in this situation? Why are they in this situation? It's much like when he when when uh, Oscar would say, They're trying to steal my company from me talking about Schaefer and Al Heyman, even though he had agreed to get a hundred million dollars for the company. And then, well within his rights, he decided not to and took the $38 million or $32 million, I forgot what it is. But he took that as the buyout for all those fighters. You know? Which, that's well within his range, you know? But my point is, he keeps saying, well, for years he said, we create all the pay-per-view stars, and it just wasn't true. Um, in the last chunk of time, they have Canelo. Oh, sure, but... Mayweather helped him, too. He was always going to be a star, but how big he would, would have been, I don't know. I don't know. But my point is, you can say don't count them out, and that's cool. That's fair. They do have some good talent. If they can, I just don't know if, like I said, Ryan Garcia is going to hear about all, or has heard about all this shiesty shit. Is he really going to want to be tied to this? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Clearly, he's the zone, if they're going to push people, he'd be the number one guy to push right now, him and Golovkin, and then obviously Virgil Ortiz as well. But to me, why are we just skipping the point of what Golden Boy and Oscar did wrong? They made a secret agreement that they didn't tell the biggest star in the sport. I mean, they didn't want to go to Discovery because the last time they were in Discovery, they got murdered. So, and we found out there's more crooked stuff going on with their contracts. And this is another, we, we, that's a crooked thing that we just found out about, you know, having this agreement and telling Canelo that he had, you know, some sort of right and some sort of final decision on his opponent within reason. And then, you know, they just sold those rights right to the zone saying, no, you guys got it just to try to land this deal. 
it's it's crazy that this is not getting talked about more and more, but not all that crazy because we see this with the media. They love to talk about. They'll give you all these detail details about the premier boxing champions and, and the the you know citing you know quarter funds and shit like that and, and all this other information that's bag right now anyway or it was. They'll give you all that detail, but they won't give you much detail when it comes to Golden Boy. I wonder why. I mean, it's, it's, it gets ridiculous after a while, dude. Like, he fucked him, and then we go back. Look at what the contract said. It was the anti-Al Heyman contract. So, if you're going to sign, if you're with Golden Boy, and you're going to sign with the manager, we have to clear the manager. <laughs> what? Does that sound like a legit thing? And that's why the judge came out and said, you guys, you know, this this actually exploited you guys more. So, but yet that barely got covered. Barely at all. I mean, think about that. We have to, and of course, they're going to say no to Al Heyman guys all the time. When he's taking out of managers, he's taking the less out of most managers. He actually has now set the tone to drop the manager scale, which technically legally was over 30%. Was it 33% or whatever they could take from it? He, Al's actually set the tone. Why doesn't Al get credit for some of this stuff? Doesn't mean you got to kiss his ass, but you got to be a media member, but you know you're never going to get an interview with them. And you know you're still going to get access to most of his fighters, unless they don't personally like you. So they go with it. But yeah, can they rebound and do something? Sure. But to sit there and say they'll be back with the vengeance they better keep Ryan Garcia. That's all I fucking know. And he better not lose in like three to five years. And if he loses, it better be in a war that he comes back and wins. You know, that, because he's got to really be built up major. And then you're going to go off opponent at 135. We'll go back to that. Who's at 135 for him to fight? Well, Devin Haney. Okay. Who else? You know, so, you know, you got to tell it like it is as a media member. That's what pisses me off, and that's why I bring it up, because you just got to say it what it is. I mean, you can't sit there and duck and dodge some shit and then turn around and play politics. You're playing politics as a, as a media member, but then you're telling these the suits not to play politics and make the sport better and make more fights together. Meanwhile, we're getting a bunch of fucking good-ass fights, and we've gotten a bunch of good-ass fights the last chunk of years. So tell it like it is, media. That's all I'm asking. I know it's not going to happen. I know you want a Hall of Fame vote. They just gave Montero a Hall of Fame vote. One of the most biased media members out there. That's not to say that he's not good at what he does and he's not very knowledgeable and he's not very, you know, I can understand why he has a fan base. I can understand all that. Good at playing a role of what he is. And that's cool, but Come on, dude. Like, Oscar is just, they just, they just, well, whatever. I, I'm going to stop. Anyway, um, we do, I see some folks coming in. There's seven minutes left of the stream. 646-381-4990 is the number to call. Um, the folks in there. Um, hold on. Oops. forgot to check my chat. The folks in there, if you if you want to, uh, you know, talk, push one, and we'll get you on. Otherwise, if you're just chilling, listening, that's cool. You don't have to drop the phone or anything like that. 
Um, we'll see if Garcino pops in here. Anyway, as far as this fight breaks down, we're going to get to more fight news and boxing Twitter will close out the show. But I'm going to break down this Terrence Crawford Kelbrook fight. And before we get into the X's and O's, well, why don't we start with the X's and O's? Um, for Crawford, and just hearing him this week so far in his interviews, I'm look. I, I think he'll start the first chunk of rounds like he did in a sense, like Postal. Um, I think he's going to fight smart. I think he's going to be on the outside. I don't think he'll sit there in the middle and try to, or go right at him. You know what I mean? Now he could, but he'd be giving up his reach, which is something I'm going to get to in just a second. Um, I just think, I think Bud will and should box early. You know, be patient early in the fight. Look for counters. Look for traps. Could you be in the middle of the ring? Sure. I'm not saying that. Could you just pivot and circle, minorly circle and just be on the move a little bit? That's what I think he should start with. That's what I think he will. I'm not saying, like I said, you can't take advantage of the middle ring and maybe take little spots where you push him back a little bit after a big shot or something and, and he's a little bit more tentative. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I just wouldn't be too aggressive too soon and come to him. That, that's, that's my point. And a lot of folks don't realize Crawford has like a four or five inch reach on him. It's somewhere in that realm. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's 74 against 69. Maybe I'm wrong about that though. Actually, let me check. You know, we have. uh... You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Um, but if that's the case, which I think it is, yeah, he has 74 and Kell Brook has, uh, 69. So that's significant. Like if Kell Brook was a guy that was going to have to close the gap and be rough and grind you down and, you know, he's a big welterweight, lean on you, all that, that'd be different. Because we know you're going to have to cut the distance anyway, and we know your fight is on the inside, and we know you like to grind it out and all that. We know that. That's different. But I'm not saying uh, Brooke can't come forward, because he can. He definitely can. But he likes to kind of subtly go forward at you at the top level. But if you look at the top level, Golovkin, Spence, Porter, they all came to him. Um. 
So defense is though it's pretty good, but when he comes forward, I notice it's not as good. Obviously, Brooke, you know, great jab. Can really land that jab overhand right or time you or counter you um, with a lead right hand or, like I said, counter. But if he's going to pressure pressure, he's going to have to have that jab. It's got to come from behind that jab. Another thing, speaking of being on the inside, the clinch game. He's got a good clinch game, and part of that can maybe put some weight on him. He's got good hand speed, but he has to be smart, too. He can't be out there trying to, you know, throw a bunch of combinations or reaching on them. You know, it's different. You know, Kel Brook, when you get when he gets somebody hurt, he can close. Both these guys, when they get someone hurt, they can close. And they'll go for it, both of them. But I just think Terrence Crawford is too smart to go for it too early. And both of them are comfortable in the middle of the ring. Both of them can come forward a little bit, you know, a fair amount. But on the highest levels, like when I say Postal is one of the best fighters he's fought, right? Some people would say it's his best opponent, Terrence Crawford. You know, the first round he lost, and then he won pretty much every round after that. And he was on the move. He gave him something. Now, we know Postal wants you to come to him, too, right? And Brooke does, too. He wants you to get close so he can get his shots off and then clinch you, you know? I, just, I think it's a really good fight. I think it's a very, very, very good fight. I, 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 like I mentioned before, at saying an excellent fight, because like I can't wait to see what happens in the ring, but I can't sit there and say, I, I like this is just I'm so pumped for it. Now Saturday night I will be, but I gotta see him on the scale. I gotta see Kelbrook on the scale because we know his troubles with 147, and that was three and a half years ago. It's a long time. Over three years ago. And we remember what actually spent because he went overseas, remember? And, and he, he said he was eating Subway and, you know, he wasn't able to eat normal food. And he looked like shit on the way. Actually, he looked pretty bad on the scale. Both of them kind of looked bad on the scale, if I remember correctly. But, so, to, you know, it's one thing not to have a top-level opponent for over three years. That does... It's like subconsciously, it takes a step off of you, like sharpness, mental sharpness, not just, you know, like just everything. It it can. But the fact that he's, you know, faced Porter Spence and Golovkin, I think he can summon that part. And let's be honest, like in 2016, 2015, and even going into that fight, with Spence, a lot of people were saying arguably he's the best fighter at welterweight. And that was, that was a good argument to make at the time because he did beat Porter more cleanly than Thurman did. He did. He, he contained Thurman very well. Now, I think – or sorry. He contained Porter very well. Now, I think Porter learned from that fight and learned that I can't get clinched like that. And if I get clinched like that, being even more rougher. But that was a clean win. And he also had those issues. We talked about it recently with Gervonta and and many other fighters, especially nowadays because they don't fight as much. Um, Whereas in the past, you could party for a month or three weeks or two weeks, and then boom, you're back 
in the camp, you know. So, um, but my point is bringing that up. Kelbrook has gained plenty of weight between fights, and he, you know, loves to live it up. He talks about chocolate brownies for his fist, but it's also late night in the fridge. So, he says, though, that that's no longer the case. Now, we don't know if that's true. And sometimes fight week, you can see off somebody's skin, off the look of their, their not just their body, but their face. Like, you know, but right now it's, it's a little stranger because you can look at the, the close-up of Kel Brook when he's been doing these interviews, and it's so close to his face that the, the, the and stay with me here, the, the, di- the digital camera is picking up his face a lot more clearer than it would being set back a little bit, right? And you're on a platform and there's a big press conference. And so the cameras are further back. I know this sounds strange, but I'm trying to look at his face and I'm trying to look at his skin and I'm just trying to look at how healthy he looks. And so it's messing me up a little bit. Ultimately, you got to see him on the scale when he's really drained all the way to the weight. But Whereas Crawford doesn't have a problem making 47, he said, you know, he's already pretty much there. Brooke didn't say he was almost, you know, he's already there, you know. So, I don't know, man. It's such a crapshoot. But like I said earlier, and when this fight got announced, a lot of people thought that the iJanny, a.k.a. Orbital Bone, you know, on one side with the Glovkin and then the other side in the next fight, with, with with Spence, and that's ultimately why he took the knees and he was done. But in that fight, like I said, to eight rounds, it was a competitive goddamn fight. Whether you thought it was 4-4 or 5-3, I think Spence was up by a round on two of the scorecards, if I remember correctly. Maybe that was after the ninth round. Either way, that Golovkin fight, it didn't take a bunch out of him as far as like a fighter spirit, a punch resistance. And like I mentioned earlier, the punch resistance, because there's different people in there now. The punch resistance, you know, I understand. I'm talking I'm not talking about punch resistance like his fucking orbital bone is getting fucked up. That clearly there's some resistance issues there. I'm talking about did he get hurt, did he get knocked down, that type of thing. And through like eight, nine rounds, he fought damn good. So that tells me as a fighter trying to win the fight and win rounds and his effectiveness as a fighter, he was just fine that way. And even the weight, really. But once he started getting hit to the body more, uh, you could see Spence's jab was finally landing more, and he just started breaking him down. You could see he was getting a little hurt or at least, you know, stood up or, or faded or whatever, wearing down. And then obviously the eye injury. Once the eye injury happened, you could see him kind of messing with the eye. But even in this time frame, whether it's the real deal injury with his eye or just hurt, right, buzzed in the fight, getting worn down, two separate times, Kel Brook came back and, and made a flurry, dude. So that tells me, you know how a lot of people said, oh, Golovkin shot even before, you know, off of that Danny Jacobs fight. He was shot. He's not the same guy when he fought Canelo. But, and they were saying that in the second fight with Canelo. And, you know, look at the last three rounds of that fight. Golovkin finished strong, dude. So now maybe after that fight, he is different. I'll give you that because that's two fights now. But 
close that fight really well. My point is, if he can make the weight, this is going to be a good fight in the first half of this fight. I wouldn't be surprised if it was two to two or three to three. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Kell Brook stood up Crawford with a good right hand or something like that. I wouldn't be shocked. However, you know, when you look at Crawford's career, when he's gotten buzzed or stood up from a shot or whatever, he got knocked down with the guys in his last fight. It's no big deal. But a lot of times that was when he was charging and going for a big punch and knockout. Remember the Gamboa fight? He's, he was using his defense to an extent, but he was also in there just to take his ass out. And clearly he felt good enough. You know, he got buzzed in that fight, hurt in the fight, but he, you know, he didn't go down. And ultimately won by knockout. Was it the next fight or the fight after? But Beltron dominating him. He goes for the knockout. He gets hurt really pretty bad, actually, in that last round. A couple guys had success on him. Delorme. When I say success, I'm talking about a round or two early or some clean shots where you're just like, uh. and that's always the thing that's kept me from saying with a bullet, pound for pound, number one is Terrence Crawford. Not just his resume, but a chunk of his early part of his career to mid, he got hit a fair amount, but he's tightened that the fuck up. And what I saw against Postal, I really, really liked because he, Gave us that other option. Not only can he go orthodox southpaw, which is good enough right there of a skill, right? And as I've mentioned, even though plenty of people on Twitter, I think right now, um, think I have this thing against Crawford, I've always leaned to Crawford against Spence just barely because of the multiple um, looks he can give. But when I see Spence, fight the way he did against uh, Mikey Garcia, it does make me go, huh. So Spence has got other options too. Now, is that a back foot uh, all the way on the back foot? I don't know. But would Crawford really put him on his back foot? Like until he had control of the fight? I don't know, but that's not the fight we're talking about. We're talking about Kelbrook Crawford. I do see a competitive fight. If Crawford is healthy on the scale and you look at him and you're like, wow. Because remember, just going back to Kel. Some people in life, right, not just in boxing or sports, but some people really took advantage of this COVID time, whether it's your family, whether it's doing research for something, whatever, whether you're working on your body, you're working on your health, whatever, right? Now, if he spent all summer grinding, well, then he, you know, it would be a lot better of a time frame to start a camp a lot closer to weight than you had in the past. That's just an obvious thing. And and maybe he did, you know, get to a point where he's like, you know, I only got a handful of fights left. I might as well take this shit 100% serious off of camp too. So does look like he, he, he did that. You know, we haven't seen too many pictures of him with a belly early in camp or something like that, you know. The thing with Kel, though, he always, even when he was having problems making weight, I mean, when you have problems making weight, you're usually pretty ripped, right? Because you don't have much body fat as it is. But it's hard to tell when he's just fresh off a workout and he had a bunch of water in him and he's flexing and all that. Because the dude's got like a 12-pack, dude, regardless. You know, so, so I am picking Terrence Crawford to win the fight. 
as long as, and I know people are going, yeah, but you do the eye, the eye. I know, I know, I know. The orbital bone, some people think each side is on its own separate thing, which kind of sounds really stupid, but I just said, like the same bone, it's one big connecting bone, or it's it's two sides. I've, I've heard two sides of both of that, right? And I'm just trying to feel my, you know, it does feel like it does all connecting. I, I can understand that, but and when you break your nose, it does mess up. It puffs up your eyes on both sides, whatever, you know. So beyond getting his eye jammed, three years without taking super accurate, powerful shots on it by fighting guys that aren't on your level, could that help it heal? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not a doctor, you know. But if he's not taking a knee... Or he can't, you can clearly see he's fucking with his eye again. And maybe this time, if his eye's fucked up, he won't keep fighting. And I would not, I know that, I know exactly what they're going to say on boxing Twitter after, not them, a lot of people. They're going to fucking call him a quitter and this, that, and the other. And at least you showed balls against Golovkin and Spence. You know, you were just in there for the paycheck. Dude, if his eye gets fucked up again, I would tell him to quit the fucking fight the second it happens. Because what's the point? When you're in there with a super accurate puncher like fucking Crawford, dude, who's just, you're like, at that point, you're chopped liver, dude. You're food, and he's trying to make, you know, a huge, huge statement, you know, and it's going to get a good rating. Uh, we actually have some news that's really good. Um, well, it matters how you look at it. I'm looking at it from a boxing fan perspective. But it sounds like... um a game that would good, get good ratings, Alabama LSU. It was actually going to start at five central, which obviously six on the east. So that I'm not saying that would have went head to head, but it's it's all about distractions. It's all about taking away viewership, right? Just like last week, you know, like fucking that Clemson Notre Dame game peaked at like twelve or fourteen mil or something like that. I think I saw, but it averaged ten million, you know. Um, it, it, it just takes up a lot of space. But Alabama, LSU, even though LSU sucks, casual fans would at least watch the game in the first part of it, right? So that's actually postponed. Um, I do want to see – okay, check this out. So at 6 o'clock Central – anyway, let me finish this goddamn – sorry. I get, I get lost, dude. I get lost. What am I going to do? I'm picking him by decision. Now, I could see the TKO – Take a knee, my eyes fucked up thing that's happened twice. I just think Spence's a pretty hard hitter at this weight class, as we know. And Golovkin couldn't, you know, now they didn't go 10 rounds either. So maybe Golovkin would have put his ass out later in the fight. That's a very, you know, that's possible. But that was at middleweight. So I think Kel has enough survival tactics with the clinch, with the movement with the jab to make it 12 rounds. So I think it'll be like a nine to three, eight to four fight in favor of Terrence Crawford's unanimous decision. But the first six rounds is really going to be interesting because I think Kel with the jab, with the follow-up right, with the, like I said, the lead or counter rights where he in clinch, like he's got to find a way 
to get his shots off and get close enough not to be into that at the end of that reach. And that's what I see. As long as Crawford's fighting uh, smart early, with that five-inch reach, I just I think that that's going to be tough for him. And Brooke coming forward like that at the high level, he just don't, normally doesn't do it. He didn't he didn't continue to come forward against Porter as we know. You know, he likes to fight in the middle of the ring. He's very good at that. And I could see that that's where it's going to take place probably. But I wonder if how quickly Kel will um, advance forward. Obviously, if they're in the middle of the ring, you do want to be able to take the ring, right? I think that he'll be able to do that because I also think Crawford will be, you know, uh, circling, pivoting on the back foot, shuffling the feet, using angles. But I see uh, a clean, clean win. Like I said, I could see a late take TKO, but I don't know if it'll be the uh, – a punch that knocks him out and he can't get up. Could it be? Yeah. Because Crawford, as we know, is super accurate. But um, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I think this is by far his. If Kell Brook's Kell Brook, like weight-wise, this will be his best opponent. Um, Gamboa at 35, I just don't. It's not like he was, like, lineal. You know what I mean? I don't look at him like he was the best at that weight class. Um, well, I mean, in his career, let me read, read, like 126, 130, especially 126, way better. 35, even before that fight, you could see that 35 wasn't great for him. Postal, really great win. Horn is an underrated win. Now, you know, I understand him and many other people say, well, he was coming off a win with Pacquiao. Yeah, he, he beat Pacquiao, or at least technically, I thought he lost to him. But yeah, okay. But if you say coming off, Technically, if you look at his next fight, though, I think it showed, you know, I just, just go look at that next fight after Pacquiao before he fought Horn. You can't just dismay that one and only talk about that one, where a very minor percent of people actually thought Horn won the fight. It was a competitive fight, but, uh, you know, I think Pacquiao won that fight, but either way. So I think Kell Brook. Well, Kellbrook's the best name he's fought hands down um, because he's known here to an extent. He's definitely known in the U.K., but um, I, I think it's, 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 it's going to be his best win. Now, if he misses weight and he looks like shit and then you see him in the ring, he looks like shit, yeah, it's going to be different. Cause remember, he wanted the Spence rematch, but at 54, you know, so basically I'm going to wait a little bit is my point thinking about how I'm already doing my prediction, obviously, but I, I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit when it comes to uh, like right now, Kell Brook is a plus 1300 on uh, five times plus 700 plus 800 plus 750 750 is the lowest. That's, that's, that's high. But a lot of it is just based off what have you done for me lately? You know, um, not just the bottom line. Um, Terry Harper's back in action against Thanderis. Katie Taylor against uh, Miranda or Miranda Gutierrez. The uh, Guainini and Ball fight. I, I'm not familiar with those two. Rachel, uh, that's a plus one seventy five minus two forty five. That's that. Want a job where you can use your talents? 
make a difference, and have the freedom of remote work? Then meet Belay. Belay has contractor opportunities for proven professionals, providing administrative support and social media strategy to fast-paced organizations throughout the United States, all from your home. To learn more, just visit belaysolutions.com slash jobs to apply. That's B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash jobs. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed you know, relatively speaking. Uh, Bentley and Heffron on November 13th. I think that's from the UK. That's a Bentley's minus 160, Heffron's 140. So that could be a competitive fight, just looking at some of these these odds uh, real quick. Um, Yeah, that one's from, is that from England? I think so. ESPN Plus has a card November 11th. Oh, that was November 13th in London, that Heffron uh, Bentley. And that's a rematch. That's right. I did see that fight. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, Like I said, I think Joshua Franco will beat Maloney again. I think it's going to be a good fight, though. Elvis Rodriguez is on the card, but he doesn't have an opponent yet. So, I mean, I think he'll fight, but it probably is not going to mean much. It's kind of interesting. Joshua Greer Jr. and Edwin Rodriguez. Um, Tyler Howard and Keandre Leatherwood on the undercard there on Fox FS1, November 14th, Saturday night. Uh, Vidal and Ortiz and uh, F.A. Apoche and Joe Jones. Kind of prospect-driven stuff there, obviously. That that women's card I was telling you about from London, UK, that's on the zone that night, too. Um, And Jamie Cox and Jack Coolin. I think that's it for the weekend. So, um, but back to what I was saying, um, as far as the college football shit, there is a game on ESPN at six central Florida just handled Georgia. So there, they, and that was in front of a big audience on CBS on Saturday. So Florida and the SEC are going to be kind of not eyeballing this game because it's Arkansas, they're a 500 club, but Florida draws some names. My point is, it's a good, it's a pretty, oh shit, it's a pretty good, it's it's a good leader. You know, whether that's 4 million or 3 million or, you know, I think it'll be in the 3 to 4 range. Or actually, let me, let me take that back. Probably about 2.5 to 3 million, something like that. But that's a damn good leader. You know, so that starts at six o'clock and um, the primetime games, I believe those will be done. Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan will be done by the time uh, Terrence Crawford and Brooker in the ring. So a lot of the other game. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the CBS game was going to start at five. I still don't think that would have trickled into the main event, but it's still, like I said, it takes attention away with Alabama and LSU, that's usually one of the biggest games, if not the biggest regular season game of the year, generally. 
So, um, so that's good. That's a good thing. It's my hometown, uh, but they have a good lead in, and I think it will get plenty of attention. Um, gonna go over some fight news and, uh, of course, um, boxing Twitter segment and all that, and close out the show. If anybody wants to, you know, pop in, press one, and I'll let you in. Otherwise, it looks like everyone's just chilling, listening. That's cool. I appreciate it. If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. You can stream it live on blogtalkradio.com with the Rope Dope Radio. You can download it there, but if you want to listen to your own platform, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Player FM, also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network, which can be found everywhere, including Spotify, yada, yada, yada. Uh, this is from Cameron Wolf from ESPN. Oh, by the way, Steve Kim, it sounds like, is done. Um at ESPN.com. <clears throat> um, Terrence Crawford, they're talking about Crawford. Uh, this is Bob Aram saying we're going Pacquiao or Spence next. That's what he's saying. Um, and, and here's some quotes from him. The next fight is going to be, as far as I can control things, we're, we're not going to fool around. Well, so you've been fooling around? Uh, it's going to be Pacquiao or Spence. That's what he says. <clears throat> Aram said they had a deal earlier this year for Crawford to fight Pacquiao. Um, but, you know, the COVID thing. Okay, operation proves, and there's a vaccine in 2021. Aram indicated Crawford, Pacquiao, and both promotion sides were happy with the money before the fight was squashed. He has little doubt that the bout could uh, could be made if they receive COVID clearance. Okay. So he, he's confident that that's going to happen. Uh, he believes Spence bout is less dependent on COVID because it could be made in the United States at the AT&T, you know, in Arlington, AT&T Stadium, or at the stadium, uh, the new stadium in um, in Las Vegas. And it says, you know, you could have limited spectators, but also receive a good gate. Um, he, you know, the, the talks came out. On the Brian Custard podcast, which, by the way, he asked a lot of good questions, I got to say, especially for, like, uh, someone that's tied to the business. I really like what he does there. Um, And he's fair to all the fighters. I really think he he lets them really break it down, even if there's criticism from fighters or fans or whatever. You know, he he breaks it down pretty well. But he said Crawford, because, you know, Crawford said basically, you know, my contract's up in a couple of months. Maybe a year is what he kind of said in there. It's not long. So it, it Custer just said, just so I know what you're saying, making it clear that it's basically we got to get this done, otherwise I'm going to move on to top rank. Now, if that's a full year, that's different. But here's what Bob said about that situation. Uh, Crawford Pacquiao, Crawford Spence about 2000, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's little doubt either would be one of the blah, blah, blah. Aram said he isn't worried about Crawford. isn't worried that Crawford could leave the top rank for PBC once the deal's up and noted that due to money involved, it was needed to be a true promotional deal rather than just the PBC. Um, it's to everybody's benefit for us to do it together. If the fighters want guarantees, I think Heyman would, would be reluctant to face the bill himself. Um, if it cratered, he would lose a lot of money. This way, we would have a partner or he would have a partner in the money. So, um, you know, uh, 
that's a good point to an extent, but then again, you get to keep all the money. I, I don't know. It's tough to say um, what that exactly, you know, turns into. So, but the fact that, you know, I remember on the Boxing Boys, shit, not even long ago, maybe within a year, he said that actually could have been this year during COVID. He basically said, let me just drink some water here. Wow, it's fucking dry here. <clears throat> um, it sounded like when Crawford re-upped that it was for a long time. You know, I think he was even joking like it's a lifetime deal. <laughs> no, but I remember uh, the boxing boys. Shout out to Ness. Um, I remember that interview, and they said, you know, like it's it's a uh, it's a long contract or whatever. So, um. You know, that's good news in general, whether it's putting the pressure on making the fight or if Terrence Crawford ended up going to Heyman and fight those guys. You know, I've always thought that they didn't want to really fight Porter. I think they'd fight Danny Garcia, but they made a press run out of the out of the offer. Uh, Thurman, supposedly, we don't know for a fact, but supposedly asked for $10 million and they just refused it rather than negotiating. Now, if they would have negotiated, it doesn't guarantee that he'd come down on his price, whatever his price was actually. But um, but it, it always seemed like to me that they were wanting to make the Spence fight, but that's the one they want to make. You know, They didn't really want to make the other ones first because they want to gain control of the belts and the weight class and then have to have those guys come to them. That's a business. It is what it is. It's unfortunate, but that's what I've always thought. But that would put a dam- – just by Crawford saying that to the public, to me that's not going to make the fight happen. You know what I mean? Because it would be like, well, we'll just have Crawford come over here. Who knows, though? Who knows? All right, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm needing to hit the mute button because I need some water. Just all of a sudden, <clears throat> super dry throat right now. All right. Um, This is coming from Idik. Adam Konoski will get a chance to avenge his only loss to Robert Hellenius. The date is not set, but they have agreed to the rematch. Sounds like it will be early 2021, which that's a good fight. I don't have a problem with that at all. Here's a problem that I have. Not a huge problem, but it kind of sucks because I really wanted to see the Chocolatito fight. So this is coming out of Bangkok, uh, Thailand. Um, they're talking about Estrada, and they're talking about Quadros, right? Well, the WC, WBC, because, you know, Quadros, obviously, he just had that win. Uh, or, uh, sorry, Estrada just beat him in the second rematch, right? But Rungvisai's in the house all of a sudden. So the WBC just ordered Estrada to make a mandatory defense of his green and golden super fly belt against uh, Thailand warrior WBC number one challenger, Rungvisai. The Estrada Rungvisai would battle would take place next year, although boxing fans, like it says here, were looking forward to the uh, Roman Gonzalez fight. So it, it's, it looks like, like it says here, that we're going to have to wait for that fight. Not that the Rungvisai is not a good fight. Um, I just wanted to see... The rematch, but you know, there's there's unfinished business there too. Um, 
Eddie Hearn has now indicated that Dillian White is not going to face a replacement opponent and will instead just wait for um, a rescheduled Alexander Bovekin rematch on January 30th. Connor Ben and Sebastian Formella is likely to headline a non-pay-per-view card November 21st. So, like I said, three COVID cases. Um, Burchelt, Oscar, Valdez, Luke Campbell, Ryan Garcia, and um, Dillian White, and Alexander Popekin off. Postponed. But like I said, all three of those fights are competitive. Uh, good fights. I like them a lot for the stages, you know, where, where they're at. I love it. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see if that's uh, if that's what it is. We'll see. Um, but those are three good fights to have early on the fight schedule next year. So I guess that's looking at a positive. But, yeah, it is kind of a buzzkill. And, you know, Shakur Stevenson, like I mentioned, is going to take that December 12th date. Who's he going to be able to find in this time frame? I don't know. Um, this is from Boxing Scene. This is from uh, Haney talking to Ock and Barack on the Zone in SiriusXM. Um, he's talking about um, the whole situation with the Teofimo Lopez unification, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, I think he's a good boxer talking about uh, Gamboa. I do think that him – wait a second. Not, oh, I um, I think he's a good bo- – uh, I mean, you know, I think he's a good boxer talking about Lopez. Um, I do think that him and top rank, Lopez's promoter, are trying to brainwash the fans with this email thing, just putting out false information, you know, just to prove that he's undisputed when in reality he's not because how can you be undisputed when your next opponent can't fight for undisputed? So you're not undisputed. You're, your next opponent – if it is not Devin Haney, cannot fight for undisputed unless they go petition for it like he did and petition for franchise title, not undisputed. That's just all rigmarole, dude. That's just all blabber. I can understand. Like, I, I don't know if, if Haney going heel because that's what he's chosen to do, and that's cool. I'm not ripping him. Or if the old man is rubbing off on him, William. Bill Haney, because Bill Haney is delusional, but that's okay. Most fathers are in boxing, but I'm not. I'm. I'm still. I'm still not totally sure. By the way, Haney did have Jay Z talk to him after, so it's it's easy to after the fight, which is always dope, right? Um, I don't know, but to sit here and say the next guy can't be understood, this that. Well, what do you talk? If anyone beats Lopez, they're gonna think he's lineal, dude. And remember. Like, that was undisputed no matter what he says. So now he's undisputed. So he, he beat the guy who most people thought he was lineal in, in Lomachenko. So then he just got that. Like, it's just so, it's silly, dude. Uh, so you're not undisputed. Your next opponent, if it's not Devin Haney, cannot fight undisputed unless they go petition for it. It's just like, dude, he's undisputed. It's okay that you got your belt the way you got it. Oh, well, you know, no big deal. But come on, dude. Like, just stop, man. Just stop. Just fucking stop. Um, Oh, here's my point about – someone actually sent me this. Um, Here's my point about having, like, a large game uh, take over the attention. So that night, that Clemson-Notre Dame game, 
in the last hour, hour and a half, it was at 10.4 million, and that's just the average. If you look at the college football game on ABC, um, it started out really good at 3.3, then it went to 1.4, and the last hour was 9.25. And even if you look at like 48 hours was 2.6, that's usually at least three or four million. Um, so yeah. That that kind of proves what I was uh, what I was saying there. Um, this is from Idik as well. Kell Brooks said on a Zoom conference call that there's no that there's a rematch clause in the contract to fight Terrence Crawford, um, and he says wouldn't be the least bit surprising uh, had Bob Arum not said, uh, you know, that he doesn't believe in rematch clauses. Remember he got on Eddie and all that because Loma and Lopez didn't have one. Well, he has. Lopez and Loma under contract. He doesn't have Kell Brook under contract, so that's not really a big surprise. Um, oh, here's my point about Eddie Hearn. This is on Sirius XM. Eddie Hearn said that he's looking to do Demetrius Andre versus Liam Williams in Andre's hometown of Providence in February. First, Andre, you know, has to fight a, uh, you know, some somebody. A ten rounder, November 27th on the Jacobs Rosado. And that's my point. Like, so Liam Williams, he doesn't—he didn't say he's a mandatory here, but I kind of feel like he is. I could be wrong on that, but it's like he, once again, you can't just sit there and talk shit about other. Pl- I mean, you can, and a lot of the UK media allow them to, but talking about oh, Charlo needs to come here. Charlo needs to come here. Make your own damn fights then if he's not going to come there. So they got Andre and, 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 you know, Jacobs on the same card. Why aren't they just fighting each other right now? Or why isn't that the next fight? Now he's already talking about Liam Williams. Well, you know, if they got money, they maybe they could step aside on Liam Williams and have Jacobs and Andre fight, you know. Um, here's what Terrence Crawford said, uh, his, his dream list of opponents. If I could fight... These fighters and then walk away. Manny Pacquiao would be number one. Spence would be right after that. Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman. But only, but it's it's funny because Spence is the one that gets a little, uh, you know, gets a little uh, funky about or gets some some heat, obviously, from um, you know, saying that he wants Pacquiao before Crawford. But they all want Pacquiao, dude. It's just, it's a business. Eddie Hearn, this is on Boxing Social. Eddie Hearn has revealed that he's spoken to Eddie Reynoso about potential fights for Canelo Alvarez. Now that he's a free agent, Hearn said they've told him the four names they want to fight are Billy Joe Saunders, Kaliam Smith, Caleb Plant, and Gennady Golovkin. I don't know why they're saying we want to fight Caleb Plant to him, but that's what Eddie Hearn's saying. Um, that he's had some conversations. So we'll see where that goes, won't we? We definitely will. Okay. Um, oh, here's what I was talking about. So before, <clears throat> Gervonta, so let's say the COVID never happened, right? Which it did, but we're just going to play like it did. At the beginning of the year, but even I think late last year, but at the beginning of the year, it seemed like these guys were on a collision course to face each other. I think it was December, something like that. But you had Gervonta and you had Ryan Garcia on board for this. They were talking about this is going to happen. Leonard Ellaby, Oscar De La Hoya, 
they both said, this is, this is what we're going to. Now, and I'm not saying, oh, you know, Tank knocked out Leo, so now, you know, now Ryan doesn't want it. I'm not even saying that from the promoter aspect. We already know Ryan Garcia that said that doesn't, that doesn't steer me away from the fight. But here is on BoxingScene.com, De La Hoya, all of a sudden now, and maybe this is Canelo's leading, and he's a little bitter, and he doesn't, I don't know, I don't know, he doesn't want to do business with BBC, I don't know. We don't even know where he is right now. He may be just independent in general, Canelo. But this is De La Hoya, this is the headline, Tiafima Lopez, Ryan Garcia, is the fight to make? I can't wait. That's, 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 that's what he's saying. Here's the quotes. I can't wait to do Tiafimo in the future with Ryan Garcia. That's the fight to make. It's crazy because everyone after Gar- everyone is after Ryan Garcia. Imagine that. But Tiafimo rocks. He killed it. He's going to be a great champion for many years to come. He can't wait to make those big fights happen. You know, one thing about me is that I love making all the big fights, fighting the very best. I seriously feel Ryan Garcia wants to do that as well. Believe me, you know, he's got a tough fight with Campbell, but Ryan versus Tio, why not, is what he said. Um, right before adding Gervonta Davis and Devin Haney as others, uh, eyeing Garcia in the not too distant future. De La Hoya also offered some quick thoughts on the lightweight unification. Yada, yada, it was a great fight, blah, blah, blah. So he did actually mention that, I guess, in this, but it really doesn't share those quotes. I guess on a live stream I haven't seen it yet, but I guess Deontay Wilder's... You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Now, aiming towards Andy Ruiz, he also says he plans to become a mandatory so they can run it back, meaning probably Fury. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's see. Here's some... Uh, there might be a little bit of boxing Twitter. There might be a little news. Oh, here, here here's uh, Jason Sosa. Jason Sosa, this is his tweet. I knew that, or I knew they was taking this. I knew they was taking this, but all I wanted is to be a world champion, and I did it. I'm from the hood, wasn't educated in the world of boxing, and it's okay. But 30% to your trainer and 30% co-promotion, he says, but it's okay. I'm educated. 30%, now I, this, is, this is what he tweeted. This is not 100% fact that I know of yet. I don't know. But Jason Sosa says he, a, a fucking trainer took 30% and a co-promotion took 30%. That's what he's saying. And that's freaking pretty nuts. And this is a little follow-up. Uh, for every fighter you complain about getting overpaid, by ex-promoter, there's a Jason Sosa getting 60% taken off the top of his purse. Let fighters get paid as much as they can deserve all that. Here we go. Here's another quote uh, or tweet. Sad world we live in 
if they take 60% off of all my fights, I'm just looking at this number. I was too focused on training while they were taking 60% of his money. <laughs> wow. That's sad, man. I hate to laugh, but wow, man, that's fucking crazy. Um, we'll just get to a little bit more news, and then we will get to the boxing Twitter and get the fuck out of here. Dan Raphael, sources say, this is from uh, Friday or Saturday. De La Hoya training. Madonna emerges as a possible opponent. The latest signal that Oscar De La Hoya is indeed seriously making a run at returning. And, you know, a possible opponent is Madonna. Madonna's representative, Grant Elvis Phillips, the experienced manager and owner of Boxing Club Maker Grant Worldwide, has in the past few weeks spoken to Golden Boy Promotion President Eric Gomez about the possibility of the bout. So, what else do you say? The rumors are true. I'm going to start sparring in the next few weeks. This is what he said back in August. I need a top guy. So that's their backup plan. That is clearly their backup plan. Clearly. Without Canelo. And you know his name. You know, Oscar De La Hoya for a $20 pay-per-view or a $100 sign-up. Um, before they do that fight, I think they'd have to have a nice schedule behind it, right? So you could at least sell something for them to stay around. But anyway, um, let's see how the media treats that fight when it comes out. Are they going to treat it like uh, Tyson and Roy Jones and, and complain about pay-per-view from a PBC, but then all of a sudden it's okay for Tyson and Roy Jones to have a two-minute round exhibition? Where they've been told if they spaz out too much, they're gonna, you know, break shit up. If anybody gets cut, it's it's a wrap. Madonna, for twenty bucks or a hundred bucks, a year, you know, for a year subscription, twenty bucks, basically it costs to 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 fucking watch this fight one way or another. Now it's a much better deal as long as disowns offering good content next year. It's a it's a good deal. I'm on a a year deal right now, so obviously, but. Um, I want to see how that gets, you know, played. I want to see that because, wow, the amount of fights that they've destroyed that were good fights, I want to see how the media handles this one. Uh, this is Rick Glazier. We're on Twitter now. Uh, Canelo's a free, Canelo's a free agent saga could actually be a good, oh, it could be good for Oscar Goldboy. It's, it's addition by subtraction. Golden Boy don't have the, Canelo revenues anymore, but Golden Boy gets even more zone dates for their fighters. Well, he only fought twice a year, so you're saying even more, like two a year, or are they? Does he know something about that date? Um. But then this this dude below him says people swear Canelo's going to sign with BBC Now Haven. I don't. I don't know why they think. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just thinking is that is one thing. I'm, oh, here we go. Now we're on boxing Twitter, folks. <laughs> Someone sent me this earlier. <laughs> classic, classic boxing Twitter. I'm convinced Santa Cruz took a dive against Davis. Convinced. Why else would he be smiling? <laughs> we all know the Mexican chin is impenetrable. This man clearly took one for the team. 
didn't Plant reject a huge fight last year, maybe against Canelo, because he wouldn't fight on a five-week, five to six-week notice, even though it was right after a fight where he took no punishment? Well, listen to this. The way he described that, first of all, he wasn't offered the fight uh, at the time when we were discussing this. He was. But another thing he said is, it's coming off the camp. I just needed some time to come off a camp rather than going into another, you know, hard. So he was saying, yeah, I didn't take a lot of punishment. But the, as we know, the camps take something out of your body. But now he's saying, I'm ready to go. So if he's been in shape, if Al knew anything about this, potentially, clearly Plant was probably getting ready, at least for a couple of weeks. But who knows? Um, oh, here's a classic. Someone sent me this. Um, Crawford fought an unbeaten champion in his prime. He's not taking the Mayweather route. And this is about Victor Postal. Crawford fought an undefeated champion in his prime, and he's not taking the Mayweather route. Great point, is the uh, response. Postal is the type of guy Floyd avoided for much of his career. It's a great point that he, he ducked and dodged Postal, basically, type, type guy. A Postal type of guy that Floyd avoided, uh, avoided for much of his career. That came, that tweet came from Michael Montero. That's some fanboy stuff there. Oh, here's, here's, here's a good one. So Wilder did turn down an AJ offer. As an American boxing fan who has been, uh, been by Wilder since the beginning, I must admit to being wrong. I almost, it's almost like a gr- being gracious in defeat, very shocked and disappointed while of Wilder of late. That was a hundred million for three fights, man. Well, it wasn't three fights in hand. As we know, the money's not as much there. I was wrong. We were wrong. My apologies to my British cousins across the pond. That was nice. But the thing is, when people say he turned it down, no shit. He, what do you mean he turned it down? How is this a shocker? I, I saw the uh, UK media jumping on this. It's true. We knew one fight, the a uh, one fight, because we the other stuff's not guaranteed. It's not a guarantee. It's only if you fight Joshua the second time. And they just they would have just been fighting this year, which they wouldn't have actually fought this year until later in the year. Correct? Because Joshua fought in December. So they wouldn't have fought until April or May anyway, which we know wouldn't have happened. So Deontay wouldn't have gotten the $40 million until maybe this December. Maybe. But where was that big money going to come? I mean, anyway. We know he didn't take the offer, but you're get, how mad? I mean, you can get mad or, or criticize, you know, Wilder for a whole lot of things, but for him to turn around and fight Fury instead, is that really? So he fought Fury, he fought Ortiz, Fury, Brazil, Ortiz, Fury, and you're still talking about man, he's afraid of Joshua. Stylistically, we know that was a tougher fight with Tyson Fury. So the whole thing of oh, he did. We know he's finally telling the truth. It was a better offer. We knew it was $40 million, dog. Fucking Eddie kept saying it. Now, it came with a deal. We don't know exactly, you know, where that would have, well, like I said, we actually do know where some of it, it would be because he lost to Joshua, or I mean to Ruiz, had to re-up. The first $40 million would have been just right now. And by the way, he's made some money in this time frame, guys. 
and the Joshua fight to act like the Joshua fights long gone, like that would never ever happen in the next three to five years or two years, three years. Come on. I mean, it's it's funny, dude. Like we finally know it. He said the truth. We already knew he turned it down. What what's the surprise here? Um. Oh, here we go. Uh, Twitter. How much? Oh, how much you want to bet now Canelo stops getting favorable scorecards in close fights? And I responded, the same amount they give Canelo to fight Nevada, Texas, or California. That's how much I want to bet. Because he, he says, nah, because he was getting the Golden Boy to zone influence. They ain't going to be doing him any favors anymore. If anything, they're looking to fuck him. Dizone has no, no influence to speak of in Vegas right now. And Golden Boy, when's the last big fight they've had outside of Canelo there? I'm waiting. So, <laughs> to sit there and say that they're going to, now he's not going to, you know, design, dude, dude, MGM is wants what's good for the MGM. And whoever produces the biggest gate in America fighting pretty much anybody, which his name is Canelo Alvarez. That's who they're going to favor. Uh, good for Canelo. Clearly wasn't happy. Good on Golden Boy to zone on not dragging it out in the court. Well, they didn't want to go to court because of discovery. Golden Boy can focus on their other fighters in the stable. DeZone can finally pace Chocolatito. GGG versus Munguia is probably what DeZone will ask for. Canelo can do it his way. If this is all true. Okay. Oh, here we go. This is this is perfect. Expect anyway to become a scrooge of a certain demographic of boxing fans. The same dopes who lost sleep over trying to take GGG, Loma, and others down a peg and creamed their pants when those guys recorded losses, they'll tell you racism has nothing to do with it. It does. Here's a response from some dude. I think part of it is racism, and part of it is the belief of American exceptionalism. American has produced most of the all-time greats, but the talent pool is no longer brilliant or as as brilliant. So you have situations where Wilder is giving more. Res- so you have situations where Wilder is given more respect than GGG and Loma. He's just staggering, dude. You're out of your mind if you think the media. He said demographic, but. The demographic we know is a racial term uh, that started out, you know, on some Steve Kim shit or whatever. But think about it. Think about what you just said. First of all, to say that you know we our talent is not our talent pool is no longer there compared to who? Do you see our fighters under twenty six? I mean, come on, dude. Let's just be realistic. And then another thing he says. So the situation where Wilder is given more respect than GGG or Loma? From who? Some fanboys from Wilder? You talking about some dudes on YouTube that have channels that are pro-PBC and that's it? Is that who you're talking about? Because if you want to talk about respect, Wilder hasn't gotten much respect from the press. Not like GGG and Loma. I mean, they were putting up Golovkin in the other side of it, the other fanboy stuff, which is what is funny these people don't. You're, you know you can tell you're a fanboy if you're only ripping fanboy shit from the other side. 
But as we know, Golovkin, they were trying to level Golovkin up with Hopkins and with uh, Bernard, uh, not Bernard Hopkins, with uh, Hagler, Marvin, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Like, come on, dude. Like, respect? You think Wilder gets respect? <laughs> Why don't you put some context in that shit, dude? Put a little context on that thing. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Um, I'm getting some requests here, so maybe I'll just hit up a few more and get the hell out of here because I think I actually – there's still some leftover, dude, from Loma. And Loma. Oh, I forgot about this one. Thanks for sending this to me. Loma Lopez rewatched round 12. My perception of Tiafimo has changed. My new dream fight, Tiafima Lopez against Maidana at a catchweight. Here comes the fanboy part. The fight was so fast, I missed a lot of it the first time around. But damn, Lopez is dirty, motherfucker. Strong arm, elbow. I think this is the same, similar post to that other guy. Strong arm, elbow, palm strike, Heisman straight arm, elbow to keep range, shoulder blocks, shoulder tackles, ducking, Beneath the belt line, hanging off the break, hitting off the break, huh? Okay, I think Loma was doing that too. Throwing elbows like a punch. Well, then they both got elbowed. Um, elbows to the side of the head in the trench. If Kenny Bellis were refereeing this fight, Tia Fimo would have been deducted a lot of points. Uh, I mean, this is, come on, dude. Come on. But the video showcases that the round was a straight-up chess match. Both guys, and we're talking about the 12 round, both guys have good moments and bad. At no point, in the, and you can see for yourself, was either guy in danger of getting stopped or knocked out. Loma did not get dominated for people who properly count jabs because Lopez was getting as good as he was taking. Loma even nails a beautiful uppercut in a sweet, leaping left hand midway through, blocks a right uppercut with his left glove, usually the right glove to deflect or catch. Like I said, Lopez had good body work for about 20 seconds of that round. Meanwhile, Lomachenko was the constant aggression, which was the right strategy, and really should have been doing that since round two. Well, why didn't he? Because Lopez looked tired. He looked so tired in the 12th. But it's like, well, I mean, he threw 98 punches, too, you know? Um, and then he goes on to some other bullshit. We'll stop that. Okay. Um, Loma Lopez final stats. Oh, you can already tell this is going to be a good one. If you go by copy box, you simply cannot have this a wide win for Lopez. Lopez landed a whopping 42 more punches than Loma, despite throwing twice the number. Put it in perspective, Manny missed 83% of his punches against Floyd, Lopez missed 82 of his of his punches against Lopez. What? Wait a second. 82? That doesn't line up. Does that line up? I don't think. So that would give him 18%. I'm pretty sure he didn't land 18% of his, you know, of his punches. That, ladies and gents, is why I couldn't give Lopez the 12th. He was whiffing punches. Go back and watch it, man. He landed. Landed more. Oh, wait. He landed. Loma landed more. 
I scored the fight a draw. I can argue 7-5 Lopez. I can argue 7-5 for Boma. At a stretch, maybe 8-4 Lopez. 2-7-12, uh, yada, yada, yada. Florida gave, oh, he texted all the board and all that. But um, I got to say, like, maybe he means, well, he can't mean in that round the 82%. He means overall, but I'm pretty sure that's 18% copy box for We're 18%. I guess I didn't know that. Um, maybe that is right. Uh, I don't know. But I do know he landed, was it 48, 50 punches out of 98 uh, thrown in the last round? So that's, that's, that's just a bad boy stuff. Anyway, maybe one more. Okay, one more and then I'm out. Uh, what most of you and judges are watching, I clearly, oh boy, I clearly saw Loma winning the fight. It is disgusting that they gave it to Lopez, but what can you expect in Las Vegas against an American fighter? The same thing happened to Kovalev in warding GGG Canelo. Even unofficial scorecards uh, from Ward was much better. Just disgusting. I strongly recommend everyone to watch every round in slow motion. You'll be surprised what Lopez didn't basically do. So in order to say that somebody won a fight, you have to go back and watch the fight, watch the rounds in slow motion. That's how confident you are of being able to – you can't just watch. Like I can see rewinding it to make sure I see some shot or, or maybe during the uh, the round break, you know, the minute break during the round and they show the, the replay and it, it is – Nice to see that, oh, that right hand really did land. I get all that. But we're on the slow motion Manny Pacquiao beat Floyd Mayweather shit. So so Floyd in fast, normal time beat Manny. But if you watch it in slow motion, dude, if you watch it in slow motion, Manny beat him just like Roma, right? All right, I'm going to get out of here. That was an extended, well, there's a fair amount of fight news in there too, but extended uh, boxing Twitter segment for you guys. Enjoy the fight. I got Crawford by decision, but like I said, after six rounds, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 3-3, uh, 4-2. I expect a good fight as long as Brooke weighs in properly and he looks good. Anyway, enjoy the fights. We'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight four or five years of straight survival, of the bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you come to a champion, like, you know what, that made it. That will show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth uh, of, of what, what I deserve. Why? Because I'm the world champion. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.